mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Where do we even start? <laughs> it's been what a week. Whew, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's only Tuesday. Well, we that, that literally happened. So mm-hmm. we tried to record on Mondays. Today's a Tuesday, but last week it actually happened on a Monday. So I had listened to the episode, and then Tuesday we were sitting Tuesday night, kind of late. Mm-hmm. We were sitting down together, going over like editing stuff. Right, mm-hmm. I was giving him all the timestamps and whatnot, and then shit started hitting the fan with stuff we'll talk about later. <laughs> But I was just like, oh my god, what a, f-. I'm like, what a week. And I'm like, oh my god, it literally is Tuesday. Yep. So it's the epitome of the 30 Rock, like, what a week, huh? And then Alec Baldwin goes, Lemon, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> it really was Tuesday. <laughs> like, I use that <laughs> reference all the time, but I'm like, yep. it actually is Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, just a lot going on between things we'll talk about and the dropping of the dock. Padma's leaving Top Chef. I mean, oh, like, man. I'm still dealing with Scandival. I'm just overwhelmed right now there is just way too much happening in all of my worlds i'm overwhelmed facts i'm overstimulated like literally every day i'm like there's just too much there's too much happening so where do we start um so we are on episode 47 Mm -hmm. and kind of like i i referenced referenced this a couple episodes ago we're in a weird spot doug or grandchildren wise for the naming of episodes because we have some unconfirmed. Mm-hmm. So for this week's episode, we have Mystery Duggar. Okay. That doesn't really fit with the J naming <laughs> conventions. This, uh, mystery, but I'll still do the voice. Mystery Duggar. Oh. Uh, this is a simple Joe, a Joe Ken kid. Okay. Because they as well kind of post Josh, just like I was saying Josiah and Lauren did. Post all of it, they just kind of, they've been laying low. Mm-hmm. But there's tons of pictures of them with extra kids. <laughs> like, okay. So, so, we so know you don't know any information on them, but you know that but they, they there exist. is a child. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so like I, they're another example of things just coming to a halt on the Duggar family website. Nobody right. else says it. Obviously, they've asked things to be. So yeah, we're dealing with a mystery child. But good news, the next couple episodes, we have confirmed children. So okay. we're okay for a little bit. So we'll have some real names. Um, but before we get into the actual episode, I do have a few orders of business. Uh, this is not... I would like a go back, if you will. Okay. It's not a corrections corner. Just okay. a, a go back. Regarding the Joshy girl purse, <laughs> I was having major like shower shower thoughts you know okay whereas like i really wish we knew the or i need the origin story of this purse you know (laughs) it's gonna be a hell of a deep dive like on the purse was this did anna make it herself did one of her sisters make it for her did a sister-in-law a dugger sister-in-law make it for her and gift it to her as like a bridal shower gift right i want to know the origins and who thought that this was like a great idea (laughs) I don't think there's any more information. I mean, I I got to be honest. I have not dived into the purse, so. Okay. That's, I'm telling you, it's going to be a good one. 
just two questions. and a half hours on the Joshi girl purse. <laughs> I know. And people were, when I said that I need a Timmy girl purse, people were like, I should, should be like South Park. <laughs> That's <laughs> like pretty good. Timmy girl. Pretty um, good. Yeah, so but mine would need to be leggings, like I said. But I have mm-hmm. tiers of leggings, to be clear. <laughs> I have ones that should never your, leave the house. Your business leggings. I have and... ones that should never leave the house because they're getting see-through in areas. My go-to pair that I will wear out in public, but they're very pilled between my thunder thighs. But pilled, not thin. You know, there's a Correct. difference. Yeah. And then there's like my fancy leggings that are like my going out <laughs> leggings. And the other day I was out of other leggings. So I wore the good leggings while I was sitting on the couch and watching something. And Mildred sitting in my lap and she was like tearing them up. I'm like, this is why I don't wear the good leggings at home. <laughs> so anyways, mine would be a pair of leggings, not, um, a, denim not a denim skirt. skirt. Okay. Oh, um, next order of business. I can now say that I can relate a little bit to an IBLP woman following her headship and her headship being uh, very wrong. Okay. That's you. I figured with you saying this person was wrong. Uh, <laughs> not the headship part. The not wrong, the headship part. The wrong yeah, part. The, the wrong part. So the, the, the people have spoken. The people agree with me. That last week, Jana wearing flip flops qualifies as inappropriate Was attire. Inappropriate attire, and yeah. should have been. You said no. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I can also disagree with people, and uh, I can see their but, point. But they were like, people were saying that like they there were like tile was being cut. They went through it, and there was like splinters of tiles everywhere, and they like stepped on it. Okay. So I fell into the trap of an IBLP woman. I just followed my headship, and now our bingo board suffered. That was your first mistake. I went against my gut feeling, followed my headship like a good helpmeet, and Gross. look where we are now. Now, would that have given you bingo? No, but that's besides the fucking point. That's not <laughs> so the, it would, no, so that's it besides have the mattered. point. It's not about winning, Tim. <laughs> it's about doing the right thing. <laughs> it wouldn't have done anything. It's about doing the right thing is always doing something. <sighs> She's like her and in- his integrity is in question. Now. It is, I, you know, but I was the last time I ever follow you on the bingo board. The, the, the mass first, has heard it first and last. The mass has heard it, you know, up to right now, like right before I check, we got 40,000 people listening to us, which is fucking great. I told Tim, I'm like, oh, great. 40,000 people listening to me cry week after week. And if they're binging <laughs> it, it's hour after hour. I'm like, this is fucking great. So 40,000 people heard me be steered wrong. Now I'm not yeah. doing that again. Well, one and done. There was one time to listen to me and I screwed it up. <laughs> That's it, folks. Pack it up. Let's pack learn. it up. Let's go. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about the actual episode now? That's all I had. Sure. Couple go backs. I feel good about that last one though. <laughs> okay, so this episode is called Duggers on a Deadline. Okay. And it premiered August eleventh of two thousand nine. And I got to say, someone, again, was not very diligent over at the DVD company. Yeah. Because if you remember, a few episodes ago, I said that they were out of order on the DVD. Mm -hmm. It's even worse. It was on a whole different disc. Yep. And it's funny because what's the word um, when things kind of go in line? Chronological? Yeah. Well, no. Like, as far as a story. Because not all of their episodes follow, like, something where... Mm -hmm. Where, like, if you went to the next one, it's not going to, like, mess anything up. Right. 
What's the word I'm looking for? I can't think You're of it. You're talking about like standalone episodes versus like overarching narrative? Yes. Okay. But I, I, I still feel like there's a word I'm thinking of that's okay. just right there. But anyways, same idea. Mm. So there's a lot of times where you could have just kept going and it doesn't make any fucking difference. This is one of the few times that oh, they yeah. have like a, th- a thing going for a yeah. while. So it makes it that much more egregious that like mm-hmm. somebody was not very diligent yeah. that it's on a total other CD. Yeah. So thought that was funny. I do want to make one point, and it's because we did have to go to the next disc. And I had to tell him, like, by the way, I put in yeah. another disc, and you need to look for this episode because it wasn't even the first episode. Yeah. Um, but the theme music on the menu used to just be their like theme music for the show. This disc, it's like funky as shit. When we officially get there, I'll have to... It is funky. They got funkadelic, if you will. It needs to go into like the visuals. It's Once we hit it, yeah. It's so starkly different, and I, I'm pretty sure it's beats that they shouldn't be listening to. I agree. So it feels defrauding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the episode starts with Lego saying how they've been at the Bates for weeks working on this project before Kelly has their baby. Mm-hmm. So I think we get a Bates square. Because we're officially still at the Bates. And I'm still rolling with, like, I have the squares memorized. <laughs> so I don't actually play bingo while I'm watching. It's a surprise. Yeah, I'm kind of doing that, too. This last time, I actually glanced at it to see what the status was. But I'm not referencing it during the episodes anymore. Good. <laughs> So as we've watched scenes of them working, a pop-up, there's like a little, you know, like the little boxes that they have mm-hmm. up on the screen. And it says that it's day four and that they have been, that it's 14 days until their deadline. Which if you remember, do you remember when I was like, that's bullshit when they said that they could be there 10 days? Yeah. Remember how I was like, that's not true. Because we <laughs> see in the next episodes that that's not true. And then also mm-hmm. in Gil Bates' little sermon, that was the other deep dive. Correct. He talks about them being there for three weeks, which adds up to what we're seeing so i'm right. like 10 days wasn't true somebody made some adjustments <laughs> well clark wilson said it was going to be christmas yeah <laughs> so now we see the first of an ongoing gag throughout the entire episode they're doing this whole tv news interview type feel thing mm-hmm. being interviewed with a microphone so the first we see of this little bit Um, that they're doing is David, the assistant director, and he's interviewing Jim Bob about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, oh, we've been at the Bates house since the day before Mother's Day. You know, just like whatever. And then Kelly says that she's about six weeks away, but that she usually has her babies two to three weeks early. I'm unclear if the six weeks was her actual due date. Mm -hmm. And then she's saying two to three weeks before that, or, or if, if it counts, for or that. if it counts, I'm not sure. Not important, but yeah. just pointing out that I'm not entirely sure. And I could have looked up the kid's birthday, but I give a shit in the moment. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm bringing this up because it's like things I could have fact checked, but I don't fucking care enough. <laughs> there was a phone belt clip, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, it says okay. Yep. Did you notice it on somebody different? Um, I noticed it in the cold intro when they were showing all the guys that were doing construction. Because there was like seven people that had phone belt clips. Oh, so okay. So I just flipped him and I have it like two pages later. But yeah. 
I wrote sea of cell phone clips during trusses part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all of the time they show all of these people outside doing stuff. Like every one of them has a phone. Belt yeah, clip. so we can do it now. But I think that's funny. But I was just like sea of phone, sea yeah. of belt clip. I can't talk. <laughs> sea of something. So another box pops up on the screen, and it states that the base house was just a thousand square feet before the remodel. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Yeah. Because she's pregnant with their 17th child. <laughs> so currently they have 16 kids and two adults in a thousand square feet. That's the size of our old townhouse. That's wild. And I can't even begin to wrap my head around fitting that many people in that amount of space. Like I mm-hmm. cannot, I cannot do it. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you can put things into perspective like that because you hear it and you're like oh that's small but then i'm like no literally imagine all those bait skits in our fucking old townhouse (laughs) it's It's insanity it's insane i think the only thing that makes it slightly different not square footage wise is that ours was two story Mm -hmm. well no they're two story too yeah never mind never mind it's always been hard for me to like envision square footage like in houses i feel like i have a really good idea of like spatial awareness but i feel like when it comes to houses and people are like yo it's like 300 and something extra square feet and in my head i'm like what does that mean (laughs) i just show like a blank like a blank slate or like when a picture doesn't load on a website like that's kind of what appears in my head the only thing i can i cannot really (laughs) envision it but i think okay we know that that was our old townhouse. Yeah. And then I know my mom's house was like 1,400 square feet. Mm-hmm. And then I know that we're 18 Yeah. right now. So I'm like, I try to just kind of go like, uh, minus a bedroom plus a bedroom. <laughs> you know, like that's the yeah. only way I can even begin to wrap my head yeah. around it. It's funny. So Lego, Lego talks about how usually in big projects like this, you end up coming across hidden costs uh, and things that you just kind of forgot about. But... On this project, they've actually, it's the whole entire thing has turned out cheaper than they anticipated because of all the free labor. <laughs> and while you might be thinking that this is because of the labor of the Duggars, Wilsons, and the Bates, mm-hmm. it doesn't end there. Yep. Companies are doing the same, such as the heating and cooling company that is donating mm-hmm. labor and offering them extended warranties as well. Correct. Mark from the company, um, from that, it's the heating and cooling. He says, quote, we live in the community and we know they have a large undertaking here, as in they have a fucking fuck ton of kids, (laughs) a large undertaking here. We just thought we'd try to help out. So once again, this is not just because they buy things used or Mm -hmm. on sale or do the work themselves. They're not in a typical situation. Right. (laughs) I mean, I thrift 90% of my clothes. (laughs) I only buy meat when it's on sale. Mm-hmm. I use coupons, but nobody's fucking handing me. You know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> it's tr- to act like those things. Like a lot of people do those things. Mm-hmm. You're dismissing the fact that you're a spectacle for the right. world to deem needing of assistance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was a message through it too, where you kind of saw this through the last three episodes where when people are doing stuff for them, they're like, Oh, you're you're nice, and I and I we believe in what you in in your way of life, and you know what I mean. So I think they're looking at it in the way of like they're just a 
wholesome, wholesome Christian fam. family. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But remember, it's not them doing it. It's God. God. Yeah. So Lego says that up to this point, they have only spent $400 in labor, and that was for pouring the concrete of that initial slab. Mm-hmm. The um, one that was supposed to be pink concrete. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. And really, they should have gotten their 400 bucks back. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> pink. And they also have people giving them materials at lower costs as well. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Yeah. Combination of reasons. Yeah. They see this family. They know what's on TV. There's a yeah. combination of reasons happening mm-hmm. here that you're not the typical situation. So good for fucking you, but don't use this as some sort of like <laughs> lesson in how to be, you know, like right. you're not in a typical situation. Yeah. You're not giving anybody financial advice because people aren't handing you shit. Yeah. Yeah. So companies are really going above and beyond. The company that built the trusses for them, uh, they ordered them in the morning and then they ended up delivering to them the same day. And that on top of it all, it was a day that they're normally closed and they called people in to get it done. Yep. So they're getting very special treatment. Absolutely. Moving this along quickly and swiftly mm-hmm. and cheaply. Yep. And this is where I wrote, see cell phone clips, because <laughs> it was during this trusses scene. Mm-hmm. So we watched them raise the first wall. It's the one that will be the now new entra- entrance, like yeah. the front half. The facade, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as they, like I said before, literally cut off the front half of their old mm-hmm. house to expand it outwards. Now it's day six, and it's 12 days before the deadline, and we get a good thumbs up scene from Ginge, or Jin Jin, <laughs> I guess. Um, saying, we're still at the Bates. And she gives a thumbs yep. up. Yep. Um, it's impressive looking, I have to say, how much work has been done in a week. But I guess that's what happens when you have an army of people, including people from the community. Yep. And people willing to jump through hoops to make this all happen for you. So mm-hmm. while it is impressive, again, not typical. Correct. <laughs> like, and then we get a board, uh, we get a bingo uh, square because John David speaks. Where is my? <laughs> um, and he just rehashes how this project started as a three hundred square foot laundry room and just kept growing and growing. Yep. Now it's three stories. And they tell how it unfolded and kept um, going to the point that, like I said, now three stories and it's three thousand more square feet plus a one thousand square foot porch. Mm-hmm. So it tripled their living space and then added a 1,000 square foot porch. Yeah. There's a lot of shots during this time of like the kids running around and as they were kind of like voiceovering a bunch of stuff. And I saw one of the Bates girls wearing Heelys. Oh, there was a, you know, I forgot to bring it up a couple episodes. When they were grocery shopping. Did you see the girls healing around? Mm-mm. Yeah, so they were wearing a, and I like later on when I was going back for visuals, I'm like, oh, I forgot to bring this up. Yeah, they healy through the through the oh. food for less or the shop for less or whatever the fuck it was, the hanky for hopping. Hanky um, for hopping, yep. Um, they, yeah, they were healing all the way through. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. I don't know, healing for the Lord. Yep, and then they're healing know. through the house. You know, it's yep. lots of healing. They don't call them healies; they call them holies. <laughs> healing (laughs) you know you get healing (laughs) so now we have joy on the mic doing the news and she says quote we have just got horrible news miss wilson is going to stick her head out of the roof yeah 
I feel like they were reaching for some content oh, on this episode. Oh, this entire thing was, yeah. we can't do yet another episode of watching people watch other people work. Yeah. It would have so, been episode three of that. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, we're here. And remember how I talked about how actually they have a very quick turnaround on episodes mm-hmm. when you talk about when they're there. Like when we found out that it was May that they were in Pigeon Forge and then it was like June. Yeah. When the pep, like the episode actually aired, quick mm-hmm. turnaround. So they have to very quickly be like, "This is all we got, and we have to make something of yeah. it." Yeah. So they're already there in Tennessee. They're like, "We have no fucking choice. This is an episode." Mm-hmm. So let's come up with a gag to make an entire episode, <laughs> basically. Right, right. So this whole interview thing is it. You got to create some content. So this is the scene that for the first time there's any real focus on Denise Wilson. Mm-hmm. She's just been in the background up to this point. So there's this middle portion, like a strip down the middle of the roof that hasn't been covered yet. Mm-hmm. So they have the metal roofing on the sides and then there's this top portion. Like I guess it would be like the cap or something. Yeah. So they haven't done that part yet. So they want Denise to climb up. Like on through the trusses and like they have a ladder and stuff and they want her to poke her head out for a picture. But she just keeps saying stuff like, that's not for me and I'm not brave enough. But a bunch of the younger boys and girls, they end up doing it and they climb up and stick their heads up and they take a picture. And this is where I, I um, did matching clothing. What about you? Um, I don't think I put matching clothing. Because a bunch of the younger Bates girls are all wearing navy and white oh okay so i feel like there hasn't been a because they hasn't because the duggars haven't had a lot of like publicity type things or like tv show stuff or i feel like they haven't been matching recently they had that that was much more prevalent in the early stuff when they're all younger right and then so it kind of drifted off so mm-hmm. it is kind of funny that now we're getting squares and it's not the duggars yeah uh, so it's also during this scene that we get a close-up of Joy trying to fix the box that they put on this mic to make it look like a news mic. <laughs> I had kind of noticed it earlier, and I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not real. Like, you know, but it wasn't until this close-up that you really get, like, the confirmation. Did you notice it? I saw her messing with it, but I didn't know what she was doing. So it's like a little cardboard box, and it mm-hmm. says Sony and something. It's so blurry, because like he said, like, the quality is not great, even on yeah. the DVDs. It's Sony, and then on the corner, it says times five. I'm kind of wondering if it's some sort of, like, lens cleaning pads or something like that. Because it's, <laughs> it's that type of box that's kind of flimsy, okay. very square. Yeah. And, yeah, so they just, like, cut a hole in it, and they've put it, the microphone through it. Correct. To make it look like that news, like, where you've got that little box the on logo, it. The logo, yeah. And mm-hmm. she's messing with it because the lid that would fold in has kind of come undone. So she's trying to, like, fold it mm. back in. But it... It just took me back to being a kid and, like, making things like that. Yeah. Tissue box guitars? I mean, (laughs) what is your childhood if you haven't made a tissue box guitar with rubber bands? That's true. And, like, a paper towel roll. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Me making car, like, cars out of a box? Did you do that? Oh, yeah. Paper plate and a brad for your steering wheel? Yeah. I remember in, like, third grade was the first time that we had to make um like a diorama in a shoebox yeah those are great those were fun those were a lot of fun but then i realized that got me into creating like houses or buildings in shoeboxes for me to play with my toys Mm -hmm. 
because I'd be like, here's these G.I. Joes and here's this building they're going to go into. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, it's like I had my car boxes where I had my steering wheel. I remember getting really excited when one time my dad actually put effort into helping me with something. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> happen often. And it was some sort of like more industrial Brad. And then mm. he like a paint stir stick, like the wood thing. Mm. And he put that through the box. And so I used it as a gear shift. No, that's funny. <laughs> or like, you know, my cereal box city mm-hmm. or my paper shoes for my doll. Or I even. So when I was a kid, our library, the scanner was like a pen. Did you ever have you ever seen that in your I life? I love those. I've never seen that anywhere else except my childhood library. Yeah. Nowhere else. Yeah, the barcode scanner. Yeah, and so it was like, mm-hmm. it, and it was very pen looking. Yeah. So you know those fat pens that you click down the different colors. <laughs> yes. So I took that from my sister, and I used to play library, and that was my <laughs> scanner of all my books. So I was like, just watching this, I'm like, man, remember when you could like did stuff like that? It was yep. fun. One of these days, I know, I know you don't, you're not interested in it, but I collect comic books, and I have an app on my phone where you scan the barcode. And it puts all the information, and then so you have an idea of everything that you have in your collection. Tim and Mildred, they they do serious work at night. Oh yeah, we, we call do, it partying. We do. Oh yeah, we party. We have a cut one cocktail and <laughs> read three comic books while she go, sleeps on the. I couch. go to bed and I wake up. I'm like, how late did you guys party? And he's like, oh man, t- twelve thirty. Yep. He's like, and we cataloged about ten books. Yep. <laughs> I should buy, see if I could buy one of those pens. So instead of taking a picture of it, I actually have to scan it in. We'll just use the multicolor click pen. <laughs> it should the same work. Thing. Yeah, it's fine. Worked for me. <laughs> Fuck. So Kelly again talks about how people have stayed up late working at all different hours of the night, but that everyone has um, been doing something. The girls have been cleaning because, of course, I mean, of course they're cleaning. <laughs> They're painting like we saw. They're tiling dangerously like we saw, but Tim <laughs> doesn't agree with. And they're even organizing her basement and like mm-hmm. labeling totes and things like that. Yep. And that she says that there has been a oneness of spirit and that they all get together at night to sing hymns and share their testimonies. Mm-hmm. You see the Wilsons uh, pick and blue grass. We finally get to see this family yeah. band we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark is on the banjo. Heck yeah, he is. And they're pretty good. They sound good. Mm-hmm. There's no singing, so unfortunately we don't get a group singing square, yeah. but they, they do sound good. There was the teenage son that seemed like he didn't want to be there. I mean, Playing teenager, guitar, yeah. you know. I did have a, I did put Pest Gone Pest, which is one of our, our, uh. Okay, I, explain to me, I don't have this. So, I think because... They're trying because him and Anna are married. I feel like every time they get any sort of screen time, you talking about when they're kissing. He he goes to kiss her on screen. Yeah, every time they are on TV. So they're just like listening to the music. Yeah, yeah. And then she just looks at him, and then he goes in, and it's over and over and over. And I just feel like it's like, bro, we get it. You're married. Like, you, you have sex. We get it. Yeah, yeah, I know. This. <laughs> All right, so you want to do a pest gone pest? I think so, just because right. I feel like it happens every time. I'm in the middle, but I'll accept. And then obviously that means, um, oh, never mind. Good. So now is where I think we get another one. 
Because mm-hmm. this is where I say that we get to mark off an our girl Johanna square. Agree. So director David is back on the mic and he's saying, check one, taco, taco, one, two, taco salad, check, check, check <laughs> one. And he's saying this as Johanna is slowly kind of creeping up behind him, but like standing up on a couch or something. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of turns to the side to look at her a little and she grabs his shoulder and she laughs. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really cute. Like, yep. I was like, oh, like she, <laughs> you can tell she really likes him. Like, you yeah. know, it's it's really cute. So our girl, Johanna. So now David is interviewing Jessa. And, oh, this is where I wrote, I have to, this is where I talked about how I was like, clearly this episode was just, the interviews was just, okay, so this is where I wrote about all that, but we already talked about it. So, director David is interviewing Jessa, and she's just kind of saying where they're at in the project. Mm -hmm. And Johanna, just, just another side note, she's obviously very, she really likes David and is clearly very comfortable with him (laughs) because while he's doing all this she runs up to him and she's kind of like hanging on him a little Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's just like you you just see like oh she like she's really zoned in and like she really likes this guy so it's kind of sweet to watch (laughs) next he asks jessa what she's been working on and jessa says quote um and then she kind of laughs nervously like a little awkwardly and says we did a lot of visiting And he kind of like (laughs) chuckles. (laughs) And then she says, the girls are doing more of the cooking meals and keeping the job site clean. (laughs) And then it instantly cuts to a scene of Michael Bates scooping out some sort of mixture onto a tortilla. And she says, and I'm going to say this the way she says it, okay? (laughs) She says, quote, I'm cooking for 52 people. Chicken quesadillas. Yep, chicken. I'm so good. I I went back like three times to try to hear how she said it. I wanted to make sure I wrote it right, so I did the same thing. Because I'm like, am I just like being judgy? But I'm like, no, she says casa, right? Quesadillas. Quesadillas. Yep. yep. It's kind of like um one of my <laughs> one of my old job. She one of the fellow like supervisors. I was like a lead and she was a supervisor, but, um, you know, like those jobs when you have a friend that's like 30 years older than you, she was that (laughs) friend to me, but she always said tortilla. Yeah. Like, so she'd be talking, she'd be like, and then you heat the tortilla and I'm like, tortilla. (laughs) So I was like, they're making casadillas out of tortillas. Tortillas. Chicken casadillas. Um, and I kind of feel bad saying this because... I really, truly understand that she's working under tough conditions. Right. Like, she really is. Mm -hmm. So, this isn't really her fault, but man, do they look terrible. (laughs) She she can't griddle them. It's just they have one tiny stove and 52 people. So, she's just kind of putting them in the oven in huge stacks, though. Yeah, like like stacked on top of each other. They're totally stacked. So, they're just being very lightly heated through yeah you know they weren't warm in the middle they weren't warm in the middle there's zero crisp zero crunch it's just mush on mush (laughs) because the the chicken quesadilla mixture it was like in a big tub and it didn't it wasn't grated cheese though no because it was like creamy cream cheese it was probably cream cheese and chicken and like i don't know because like it's not it is so clearly not a grated cheese yeah so I'm like, this is just mush on mush. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I am not against the idea of making like a mixture 
to make some sort of casadilla. Like I'm <laughs> I'm on board if you have like your shredded chicken and it's like mixed in with other stuff. But get it hot. Yeah. I literally put blonde ass tortilla. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> and they show her cutting them. With like a pizza cutter? No, she's with she has a knife. Oh, was it a she, knife? Yeah, so she has a oh, knife and God. she's cutting it. And then she just like dumps it. And at first I thought it was a crock pot, but now I think maybe it's just a pot. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe that's a crock pot to keep them yeah. warm. No, I think it's just a pot. So they're being cut and like dumped into this pot. And I'm like, that's not being kept warm. Like the whole thing is just <laughs> floppy and one. Like I'm big into texture. Like I need some sort of. <sighs> it just looks like it. Basically, it looks like a texture nightmare for a person like me. <laughs> um, Can but... I get one go back? Oh, yeah. We missed one bingo square. Oh, shit. What did we miss? Uh, group singing. When did they sing? During one of the montages when they're talking about just the project and what everyone's doing. It's Gil Bates in the oh, living room. But that's from a previous episode. That's why I didn't count it. It was in this episode. See, I don't care. See, <laughs> I think we're going to disagree here. That okay. was when they were getting ready for the Duggar. That was the sing- The devil can sit on attack. Not that they were singing that. They were singing something about like being far and wide. Yeah. But Wide and deep. Thank oh, you. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Do you think it counts? You think it counts, right? It was in the episode. It's okay. It It's nowhere near any of my other bingo squares, so I really don't care. I'll do it for you because I love you, honey. <laughs> honey. All right. I, I do remember thinking, oh, I'm not counting that because yeah. it's it doesn't affect my reused footage. Yep. It doesn't affect my bingo status. Okay. So then I'll allow. <laughs> so back on Casadillas. We weren't we're not alone in thinking that these um look a little meh. They're rough. Because a Bates girl, and I think it was Tori again. Mad shit tucker, that Tori. <laughs> They show her peeling one apart and then looking up at the camera with kind of like a like a look on her face. <laughs> so I'm like, we're not alone. Oh, man. Other people here are like, mm. So we had Tori face, not Ginger face. I, yeah, I think that Tori is like the... She's a fucking mad shit talker, that, that Tori. She was the one that was shit talking the door the paint job. Yuck yeah. colors. Yeah. <laughs> Painting them yuck colors. <laughs> oh, gosh. So now Johanna's bestie david uh he pretends to be interviewing a dog and he's like like something like oh like brown dog or like whatever and Jan- mm-hmm. johanna says he can't talk and her bestie says what are you talking about and our girl says the dog can't talk he just says rough 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 it was adorable <laughs> it, it was absolutely adorable <laughs> oh, i love her yeah johanna if you're listening you're not johanna i think we love you <laughs> you're not (laughs) so now it's day nine and we have john david walking us through uh how they're working on the foundation for the porch now yep so now we're watching the cement being poured and it's funny because clearly at some point cement splashes up on one of the lenses of the cameras yep so there's a big black spot but because of editing during this montage of all the work the splatter pot like spot like it appears in disappears yeah several different times so mm-hmm. it's just kind of funny the contractor that was pouring concrete was awesome yeah he was cool eddie solis oh you got the name look mm-hmm. at you look at you because yeah. there was a really awkward thing of of lego hair trying to say his name 
and kind of you could tell he like kind of forgot it and then remembered um so then he like overly used it to make sure that everybody knows that he didn't forget it you know you i'm know, just gonna you, say you, tim 400 times this episode so i remember mm-hmm. that that's your name yep yep so but yeah he was cool he said he's been like uh doing concrete for like 40 something years and yeah he's a pro um, yeah and yeah he was like walking them through like why they're doing certain things and stuff so yeah super cool so now we finally get to see the official crossover moment to Michelle's new season of life <laughs> in regards to her crown of glory. <laughs> Previously, we only saw her new do in Talking Heads, mm-hmm. but now we finally get to see it in scene. Okay. So when they arrived, she she had her old hair. Yeah. Like in those episodes of them, you know, Michelle... Um, Kelly reading the card, going mm-hmm. to the Mother's Day service. She had her mullety thing we're used to. So it's kind of interesting to me to think that she decided while on a trip, living in a bus, <laughs> to change up something that she'd been doing for years. You know? Well, I like, mean, what else was she going to be doing? The girls were cleaning and cooking. The guys were doing the house. She doesn't have to do anything. I think I'll finally catch up on life and change my hair. <laughs> yep. Like, it's just, I, w- I wish I knew what inspired it, like, in the middle of this trip, you know? Like, what was it? Did <laughs> yeah. did, uh, did Tori Bates talk some shit and you're like, oh, God, I got to do something? <laughs> like, what was it? Yeah. You know? It could be a lot of things. Maybe Lego was too busy and tired. So she just like seized the moment and made a change. Who yeah, knows, you know? she's been thinking of doing this for a while. And she's like, you know, he's fucking exhausted. I'll just do it and see what happens. <laughs> Who knows? So Michelle is talking about how they're headed to a place that ends up being a discount like building supply store. Mm-hmm. And it's called Knox Rail Salvage. Mm-hmm. And she gets us a bingo square because yep. what the good old buy used to save the difference. Yep. So even though they're buying all this stuff, it doesn't. It's not necessarily used, but it it fits in with their discount approach. Okay. Because it's stuff that might have a little crack or a tiny little defect or you know right. that type of thing. So they arrive there, and did you notice that Lego is wearing a hat that's blurred out? Yes. Makes me wonder what's on it. That's worth blurring. I mean, it could be something totally innocuous, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm st- the. It still just piques my curiosity of like, what could it possibly, what is well, I, it, you know? I think at the time, I I think it's something like sports related. Because at the time in reality TV, there was certain certain groups that would go after reality TV for using their logos and be like, we need money if you're going to use our logo in your program, you know what I mean? But it can't be those Razorbacks because they're in all sorts of stuff. That one's loud and proud, <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, so I feel like it's just something sports-related. Mm-hmm. They're like, we don't want to pay. I do love it. I, you know, I was like, they don't get a blur often on this show, so I appreciate a good blur. <laughs> or like in old like 90s TV shows where they would have um, like soda that was obviously supposed to look oh, they like, a like a certain brand, but then it was spelled wrong. Well, it was kind of like on all those Rachel Ray shows back in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. They always like put a label on it that looked similar, Correct. but said something like different. Yep. Yeah. So there was the one that I always remember is um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch had Popsy. My childhood. 
Popsy. And it was obviously meant to look like Pepsi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Salem. I loved that show. It's good stuff. So they're looking at getting a lot of stuff. Showers, cabinets, flooring, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And at the time when they're looking at cabinets, we've already seen the guy knocking down 10 bucks off the price of some earlier stuff, like Mm -hmm. showers and things. Like a shower, yeah. Yeah. And now the guy at the store is saying that he'll give them a deal on the cabinets. But when you're a fucking cheap asshole like Jim Bob (laughs) Duggar, that's not enough. And he just can't help himself. And he asks, do you give free installation? Yeah. And the guy is like, uh, and then it kind of like cuts away. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, fuck We're off, We're already dude. giving you We're all already... of these things off. Yeah, like, fuck off on. with free yeah. installation. Like, installation. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, there's a point, like, seriously, you're insulting. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, sometimes you have not because you ask not. Fuck off. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. Like, people have to make money, too. Yeah. And God. it's not and it's not this idea that like the guy at Knox Rail Salvage is like living super high on the hog and making money <laughs> hand over fist. Like he's not He's making a fucking living. He's not buying another boat. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's God. He's not going he's not riding a spaceship like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like get out of here. Yeah. Ugh, makes me mad. And then later the guy says, quote, he's an old pro. You can tell. <laughs> Do you know what his quote was after that? Well, he says, um, doesn't he say that when you have 18 kids, you have to be? Something like that. But then he was like, I I bet something along the lines of oh, like. I a, have that somewhere about the diaper company. About Hang the diaper on. company. Where, yeah. What happened to my notes? Um, yeah. He says some quote about like. Oh, I've, yeah, yeah. I have it. Then he continues. But, you know, with 18 kids, you got to be a negotiator. I'm sure he stuck it to the diaper companies a couple times. I got <laughs> it. It was on funny. the next page. Yep. But, um, there's an arguable, deb- or I'm sorry, debatable uh, bingo square. Okay. Hit me. Boob has to parent. I disagree. Okay. But go ahead. Stay it here. was it was only because usually when he goes out and they're like out at a store, they're out doing stuff, you can tell that he's like, keep the kids away from me. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to them. And as they're, like, talking about installation and cabinets and all these other things, he's having to hold, I think it's Johanna. I think in my head, it has to be a little bit more substantial. Okay. I just, I I put it as a question mark because, like I said, he's trying to do business and he's being inconvenienced by his child that wants to be held. So. Now, maybe the masses will come at me this week. Please do. But <laughs> Tim's like, please, please. But I don't, I feel like it needs to be a bit more substantial because all of them are still around actively participating. Okay. He's just holding a child. Okay. That's the least you can do. I would have gotten bingo if that's, if you agreed to that. Oh, see, I'm not mad. Hmm. Works out. Um. So on that note, they brought all the damn kids, every fucking yep. kid from every goddamn family. Mm-hmm. It's like, if there was ever a time to leave them home with Jana, <laughs> this was probably like a building supply store is probably yep. the time. So to me, it's funny the times that they that they took pick all and the kids. Yeah, yeah, it's just a real. And she's just like, we have to. Michelle's like, we have to be creative and taking them up and down the aisles. Yeah. And it's like leave the littles 
Yeah. Like home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those poor people running that salvage, man. So now they're looking at front doors, and there's one that they like, but Kelly says it's too fancy. Too fancy. So the guy that works there comes over and says, quote, we support what y'all are doing, which is kind of what you're saying. Which mm-hmm. is, we support what y'all are doing. We love what your family's about. And Gil just kind of interrupts him and says, pray for us. <laughs> I don't know why that it irritated me. I'm like, fuck <laughs> off, Gil. Like, I don't know. In that moment, I found that very irritating. <laughs> oh, we got ourselves into a mess of kids. It's like, pray for us. Yeah. You Get did this out of here. So Gil gets another opportunity to be a gracious receiver, mm-hmm. as we heard Michelle saying that, you know, they're having to learn to do. Yeah. Which is a crock of shit because they're <laughs> very used to being gracious receivers. And um, then the guy says, like in response to his whole prayer thing, he says, we will. You deserve a prayer. But we're going to go ahead and give you one of these doors. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this whole thing is like, oh, look, again. You're getting free shit. Again. Yep. Maybe next time he speaks, we'll hear a sermon on the door. <laughs> As opposed to Sermon on the Mount, it'll yep. be Sermon on the Door. Yeah. So we kind of wrap up with them at that store. And now Michelle is saying that they, they're staying to the point where they feel okay leaving. But they left behind John, David, and Joseph mm-hmm. to keep working. And that they're planning to come back after Kelly has the baby to do finishing touches. Yep. And that is kind of it. That's about it. How are you on bingo? Um, no, I, I'm at, in two spots. I'm two squares minimum short, so no go. If I would have gotten adoring gaze or boob has to parent, I would have gotten bingo. Glad you didn't get that uh, that half-assed boob has to parent I'm thing you were, sabotaged. that you were uh, campaigning for. I think it secretly irks Whitney that I was the first bingo of the- Is it a secret? Of the pod. <laughs> I also, this reminded me of the fact that I love carpentry and framing. I like, I don't know why. When I was in high school, I was in a, in a building trades program. So we got to do a lot of like woodwork and we build like sheds and stuff. Um, And then during quarantine, I bought product from Lowe's that they dropped off and I built us shelves for our garage for our garage yeah works out great for all my holiday totes yep and blow molds yep so I love it I it this made me miss kind of carpentry why don't you build me something I ain't mad at it (laughs) I could use a shed exactly all right um all right we'll see you for the deep dive deep dive is going to be quite a bit different than normal rather than taking a specific topic and focusing on that we are of course going to be talking about shiny happy people what is that that is the big news right now (laughs) but before we get started on actually getting into that i first want to go in chronological order of all of the events of last week Because if you haven't noticed by now with my deep dives, I'm a big fan of doing things chronologically. (laughs) That's just how my brain works. Like, I just, that's how I like it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure most of you all know this by now, but we do, we have to address it regardless. 
So last Tuesday night, it was first discovered that Jill had a book coming out just by people seeing it on Amazon. And that's what I was talking about earlier, how we're sitting here doing edits. And then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, here we go. And that's when it was like, oh, what a week, huh? Yeah. Lemon. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> that was the moment. So the book is titled Counting the Cost, a Memoir. And Jill's name is listed, of course, as the main author, but also Derek's and another name is underneath. Mm-hmm. The moment our messy bitch, Derek, has been training for for years. <laughs> and I even said in our caption, I'm like, well, 2024 is because it's coming out in January of 2024. So mm-hmm. we got a long time, people. But 2024 is an Olympic year, so seems appropriate. Like, he's been training for the messy bitch Olympics all these years. So both she and Derek are on the cover. And I got to say, they don't really look like themselves. I know you don't, like, know too much of what Derek and Jill Mm -hmm. normally look like. Right. But I joked that it maybe it's AI because they just look so different. And in this day and age, like, who knows? It really could be AI. Who knows? <laughs> but Jill is holding a framed photo for family, which is actually the same photo that we use as our cover photo for, <laughs> for the pod. So it's just right. kind of funny. The exact same one. <laughs> so then Wednesday morning, Jill and Derek both officially posted about it on their socials with mirrored captions that I want to read part of. Okay. Quote, The challenges we have faced, including lack of respect for boundaries, greed, manipulation, and betrayal, are not that much different than what many people in our audience have faced. However, 15 plus years of reality television, undergirded by secrecy and lies, is tantamount to pouring gasoline on the fire of our struggle. Thanks to time tears truth and therapy god has begun to heal our wounds into scars though we would never chosen this path and it has cost us dearly we want us we want to use our voice to show others that there is hope beyond the pain so jill came out with guns blazing (laughs) with that caption very strong and pointed language with words like lies secrecy Mm -hmm. manipulation greed and betrayal yeah i love that she didn't mince words and that she included mention of therapy because that absolutely is not allowed in her family's world Mm -hmm. so it just kind of feels like that extra fuck you like in a way you know like i'm doing what i want to do type thing very different tone than from ginger's book very um And it's unfortunate because, but at the same time, not the least bit surprising Mm -hmm. that the comment section was or is, because it's still going, uh, it's deplorable to say the very least. Okay. I mean, in general, the comment sections of anyone with even the teeniest, tiniest little bit of a platform is fucking disgusting these days. (laughs) If you somehow feel the need to lose all faith in humanity in under 45 seconds, just hit up a comment section and it'll do it for you. Yep, not wrong. Because like, these days people can't even post about a simple recipe without people being utter assholes for no real reason at all. Like It's it's disgusting. Yeah. 
So when you keep that in mind, just imagine the types of things that are on Jill's post. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It was absolutely riddled with people telling her that she's dishonoring her parents. You know, oh, just her poor parents or she should retract this, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Fucking awful. One such comment is a good summation of most of them saying, quote, I can't help but feel bad for your parents. Oh. I cannot imagine my children writing tell-all books about family. Here's the thing, Jill. No, in all caps, family is perfect. Not one. And yes, while most do not have reality TV shows, you would also not have the opportunity to profit from your story. But she didn't have that opportunity. That was something we learned. (laughs) Yep. And what do you know, Jed, missionary Jed, the OJ, Mm -hmm. Pest 2.0, Duggar domed trash bag of a human, (laughs) liked that comment. Of course. Lots of people, thankfully, ran to Jill's defense and called out Jed for this. But Jed took particular notice to one comment that said, quote, If your father had protected your sisters instead of your pervert brother and the TV show he was profiting off of, your family's dirty laundry wouldn't be aired in public. To which he replied, Excuse you, <laughs> but you don't know our family at all. Please don't make assumptions about things that 100% are none of your business. The true shame is on you. Okay, Jed. He's throwing it back. Okay. So I know a lot of you might have seen this already and watched it as it unfolded, but I want him to be able to sort of gauge the temperature of the situation we're working with. Right. But yeah, the comments were awful enough as is. And then you have your own fucking sibling, like, joining (laughs) in on it. Like, poor girl, you know? Like, when you stop and think about Like, I put myself in, like, what if one of my sisters was, like, shitting on my experience mm-hmm. it's gotta hurt yeah but on a positive note i do think that she and derek have played the game really well timing wise by releasing this ahead of the docuseries because the series will without a doubt be pulling in people who normally wouldn't be in the know mm-hmm. or necessarily previously given two shits about this before and now they're invested <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. this is a really smart move on her mm-hmm. part. It's coming after her sister who put out not what people uh, uh, like on the like gossipy end of things on the like dirt on the fucking messy bitch side. She, it sounds like she's going to do what Ginger is never did, you know? Correct. Yeah. I'm going to read a portion of the book description because I think it is definitely worth talking about and very noteworthy. Okay. Um, skipping some stuff and then to quote she was the responsible second daughter of jim bob and michelle's 19 kids always with a baby on her hip and happy to wear the modest ankle length dresses with throat high necklines (laughs) the baby on the hip thing i'm like woof girl (laughs) she didn't protest the strict model of patriarchy that her family followed which declares that men are superior that women are expected to be wives and mothers and are discouraged from attaining a higher education And that parental authority over their children continues well into adulthood, even once they are married. But as Jill got older, married Derek, and they embarked on their own lives, 
the red flags became too obvious to ignore. For as long as they could, Jill and Derek tried to be obedient family members. They weren't willing to rock the boat. But now they're raising a family of their own and they're done with the secrets. Thanks to time, tears, therapy, and blessings from God, they have the strength to share their journey. So this Man. is what I mean by I think that mm. people are getting the the tea, like yeah. the dirt, the it's a lot more the, pointed than so smart on their end that's like, okay, there's one sibling kind of started this. Yeah. Then the docuseries, and then they're like, oh, but wait, there's more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think they did a good job with that. So that was just Tuesday and Wednesday's events last <laughs> week. We had a big week. It was a big week. <laughs> now let's fast forward to Thursday, the day that the series was being released. Shortly before its release, Lego and Canon released a statement on their website that was also put on their socials titled, A Note from Jim, Bob, and Michelle. But, of course, it says, written by Jim Bob Duggars. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, is it? Surprise, surprise. It might as- Why did you even include, include Michelle yeah. in the title? Like, come <laughs> on. And I think it's worth reading in its entirety. They say, the recent documentary, and by the way, documentary is in quotes of every course. time. The recent documentary that talks about our family is sad because in it we see the media and those with ill intentions hurting people we love. Like other families, ours too has experienced the joys and heartbreaks of life, just in a very public format. This documentary paints so much, and so much in a derogatory and sensationalized way, because sadly, that's the direction of entertainment these days. We have always believed that the best chance to repair damaged relationships or to reconcile differences, is through love in a private setting. We love every member of our family and will continue to do all we can to have a good relationship with each one. Through both the triumphs and trials, we have clung to our faith, and all the more and discovered that through the love and grace of Jesus, we find strength, comfort, and purpose. So I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> all of it i fucking hate it yeah but last episode i said i was going to start calling things bunk right yep so i was thrilled to have an opportunity to use it so soon <laughs> so i'm officially calling that statement total bunk bunk first of all blaming the media for hurting people they love you hurt them yeah you did this mm-hmm Let's be crystal fucking clear about that. And I feel like it's such a typical Lego behavior to play, to like make this all about the media. Of course. A very typical response. Second only to his, you know, conveniently not being able to remember shit like he always has. Yeah. Those are his two main tactics, it mm-hmm. seems. Then this asinine way that they downplay everything, like... Like all their families, you know, ours too have experienced joys and heartbreak. No, none of this is run-of-the-mill family stuff, you fucking Mm -hmm. douche canoe. This isn't just like, oh, this sister doesn't want to come to Thanksgiving because they're mad at this brother. Yeah. This is years of emotional, spiritual, physical, sexual, and financial abuse. Mm Mm-hmm. 
this family has literally every form of abuse taking place. But yeah. you know, just like family stuff. Right. You know, it's just Everybody family. goes through Yeah, it. it's just like yeah. family shit. Disgusting. Yeah. Once again, takes all of the responsibility off of him for any of this. Always. Yeah. Next, them talking about repairing relationships in a private setting is really fucking rich. Mm-hmm. First of all, because of the way that you're the one who started all of this, Jim mm-hmm. Bob. You started this whole thing knowing damn well what Josh had done, doing absolutely nothing about it, mm-hmm. and thinking you could continue to get away with it because you always had up to that point. Yeah. And you started this public life fully expecting all 400 of them to just go along with it. Yeah. And be silent. And now you're pissed because you've lost control of the situation. Mm -hmm. The situation that you started yourself. You got yourself into. Mm -hmm. It's like you never once cared about privacy unless it makes you, you know, like look bad. Look bad. Yeah. Then suddenly privacy matters. Yeah. You had no issues with media and television when they were feeding your empire. And then when that dried up, all of a sudden, now that it's pointed at you, now all of a sudden, that's the big problem. That's what they do. It's the media. You know? Yeah. Yep. It's entertainment culture. <laughs> and then lastly, saying that they will continue to do all they can to have a good relationship with each one in the family. Bunk if I ever heard it. <laughs> yeah. We've seen exactly what happens when you don't follow Jim Bob to like to the T to every little command. Mm-hmm. And a continued relationship, like a good one, is not part of that. Yeah. So this whole this whole statement, it's utterly maddening. But at the same time, you wouldn't expect anything less from No. Very on brand. Yep. I think they were probably worried when like Ginger's book came out. But obviously that book was not at all pointed at them. And you talked about how like she very particularly blamed everything on IBLP and Bill Gothard, but not really anything else. There was nothing else addressed, you know. So I think it's easy on that level from Lego Hair's perspective to be like, well, yeah, see, we got rid of that in our group, you know. Mm hmm. All right, so now that we got those things out of the way, we can actually discuss shiny, happy people. (laughs) (laughs) So there was some confusion on the time that it was being released, so it came as a surprise to me, at least, when it popped up at 5 p.m. on Thursday for us. (laughs) And we weren't expecting it or planning for it by any means, but Tim randomly had Friday off, Mm -hmm. which is way not typical. (laughs) No. So if we were Gil Bates, he'd think that maybe this is a blessing from God? I don't know. (laughs) Did he provide this for us? Apparently. I wanted a swing sweat. Sweat? A swing sweat. (laughs) (laughs) So we ended up actually being able to watch it together. Mm -hmm. Not something I foresee, like foresaw happening at all. So Tim got home late and he showered and we started it a little bit before midnight and we finished it all in one sitting a little after like 3 a.m yep so as predicted there wasn't any big bombshells 
for longtime veteran snarkers, specifically specifically regarding IBLP as a whole and the actual Duggar family. But I, I know for a fact that this had to have been incredibly eye-opening for the average person who hasn't followed all of this for years on end. Right. Because not everybody is is as deep in the sauce as we are. Exactly. <laughs> Understandably. But they did a really good job of covering a lot of ground, which is difficult to do considering how much there is to cover, how much content these people continue to give. Um like within the time constraints of a, of four episodes. Yeah. So the covering of various subjects range from kind of scratching the surface to mid-depth. But there's just no way they could even begin to cover it all. There's just, you know, like, Mm -hmm. understandably, they had to just be like, we want to give you this full picture, so we have to... We can't go super deep into anything. But they certainly did a great job of bringing awareness to the topic and making just, like, the average person Mm. very interested. So The footage from... A lot of their IBLP media was interesting. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of really good, like, chunks of talks and, you know, promotional videos and stuff like that. So, Um, so, oh, that's kind of my next point. I was just going to say that the major strengths of documentary was, for me, two things. The focus on the victims and getting to hear the stories in their own voice. Mm Mm-hmm. So even when you already knew things, it kind of hits on a deeper level seeing it come from the actual survivors. Yeah. And I thought it was nice to see and hear those things from people that were not related to or around the Duggars. Yeah, totally like, like outside. Yeah. They were just normal people that were involved in this group. You yep. Know? And many of them have been vocal on social media. And I'm just thrilled for them that they get to tell their stories on a larger platform Mm -hmm. um and the second part of what i was saying is like their main strengths is kind of what you were talking about earlier i think that they kept it very engaging with the visual visuals Mm -hmm. lots of videos clips lots of photos so overall i think it was very well done yeah so considering that this was over three hours of content (laughs) I'm not going to be able to recap it in its entirety. We'd be here for days. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, a lot of what you watched, um, you watched it for yourself. You know, like Mm -hmm. most people, like like you saw this. This isn't like some of the episode recaps where you haven't seen it in 10 years and we're kind of describing it to you. Like, you literally just watched this. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and then on top of that, I feel like a good portion of it was already covered in some of our deep dives already. Yep. So the way I'm going to cover it is more in a discussional or like themed type way. Mm-hmm. The things that stuck out to me as, and then like some funny moments to kind of break it up a little bit. <laughs> so we got a good solid yeesh. Right at the top of the episode one (laughs) with a clip of a guy saying, I want to name my child Jim Bob. Jim Bob is the man. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if we could find that guy now. Yeah. If you know him, get him on the pod. (laughs) Right. We're looking for Jabloon Man, the chicken, this Mm -hmm. guy. We're looking for people. Yeah. We should add the concrete guy to that. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. I also cracked up when Jill sort of stumbled. 
while rattling off all the kids in birth order. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because if Jill struggles with it, there's not a chance in fucking hell Lego or Canon can keep it straight. I mean, there's probably like four of those kids they don't know their name. <laughs> like if Jill couldn't, like there's not a chance. <laughs> so I love that moment. I'm like, you know what? I get it. <laughs> You've been raising kids since you were six years old. You're tired. You can't remember them all. So Tim and I were laughing when he was like, <laughs> so Tim tells me, well, you made it nine minutes, 27 seconds before you got annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, because it was around that time that Femi claims, quote, I literally, <laughs> I literally grew up on camera. Bonk, Amy. <laughs> Fucking bonk. Homegirl was 22 years old when the show started. <laughs> she wasn't in it, those originals. Right. She was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And even some of the older kids, even when the show really got started, I would say, okay, you can claim that a little bit more right. because you were a main cast member. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with acting. Well, I just like literally grew up on camera. Get the yeah. fuck out of here, Famey. <laughs> Famey going fame, though. Famey she can't help fame. it. Too bad. <laughs> so I was really worried that Famey was going to be like all up in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I will say they didn't overdo it with her like over insertions. Yeah. So it ended up okay. I was, I got to be honest, I was worried with that claim. Nine minutes in, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here we go. I just grew up on camera. Yeah. So I was worried, but um, it ended up all right. But from a production standpoint, I, I get why they included her. Any close-ish family yeah. member or friend that they could get is a plus to them. Yeah, especially one that was on the show with them, not exactly. just related, so. Because it takes it from, it makes them translate as people versus, like, TV characters. Correct. It's something firsthand rather than through a lens or mm -hmm. degrees of separation. They're like, yeah. you're kind of like our way to like, oh, yeah, this is a family. Correct. So besides claiming to have grown up on TV, I roll. My biggest complaint was Femi repeatedly saying, pantaloons <laughs> with an m <laughs> pantaloons you heard uh, it right yeah and it's unfortunate because we say that if mildred wears pantaloons yeah so on the back of like a cat so on the back of mildred her little like floofy legs especially when she's running away from us we always say that they look like pantaloons because like that fur on the back of her legs it's yeah. like billowy and the, you know mm -hmm. or so, she'll lay on she'll lay on her back on the tile like cooling off and it looks like she has aladdin pants <laughs> so we're always like look at those pantaloons yeah. are we gonna say pantaloons or do you think we'll be good i think i want to keep it the same because i don't want to sound dumb well no, no no but i'm just like i'm hoping it doesn't like invade my brain is all i'm saying <laughs> like i don't want to say pantaloons i'm yeah. i'm afraid of the invasion <laughs> so that's yeah. my biggest gripe she Just, claims she... to have grown up on TV, and she said pantaloons. <laughs> Mildred, they're pantaloons. But you guys know what I'm talking about when cats have that, that <laughs> floofy little like leg and butt fur? It's like a little pantaloons. Yeah. Okay, so episode one and two, topic-wise, were largely made up of things that we've covered in previous deep dives. And it 
I gotta say it made me really happy to get like really nice messages from people who were watching it and they were saying things like I kept watching this and I was thinking like oh I know all of this and more from deep yeah. time <laughs> or, or you know like just like oh I felt like I didn't learn anything or I felt like I just knew so much more yeah it just it's those moments from like all the fucking work and hours I grind into this like felt worth it when yeah I got message after message being like, <laughs> I knew more than this document. <laughs> so right. It was very, I appreciate all of the messages. So since they are topics we've already discussed, I'm going to just kind of sprinkle in things that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. So in our very first episode ever, ever, uh, we discussed the Holtz and them being called over to, by Lego and Cannon to tell them about Pest. Mm-hmm. And it sticks out that when Bobier said the word molested that Michelle flipped out and told her to never say that word again. Mm -hmm. So the downplay that we fully see in the future, Mm -hmm. um, we can see that it started at the very, very beginning. Because, you know, like if we call it touching over the clothes, it's just no big deal. Yeah. It's not molestation. It's just touching over the clothes. Every family has those things according to Lego hair. You know, just like, you know, those things that happens in families. Yeah. Maybe an IBLP, it happens in most families. Come on now. So gross. And the whole thing where they're talking about how they weren't going to tell Kaylee until she and Josh were already married. Yeah, it's wild. And then Jim's saying, so you're kind of using my daughter as a carrot to get him to behave the right way? And then Jim says that Lego was like, well, yeah, kind of. It's so brazen to be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just your daughter. I yeah, mean, you know, whatever. It's my son, but it's just your daughter. Yeah, it's just your daughter. It just really illustrates how women are viewed and mm-hmm. used in this cult. Women are only... They only matter as much as you can get out of them. Mm-hmm. So they're used as a tool to keep men in line, like Kaylee Holt was, and or sold off as soon as possible to men that are sinning and they need to get, like, you know, whipped back into shape. Well, yeah. A la Esther Keller. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, Anna. Mm-hmm. And that's not even mentioning all the other shit before that, like, you know, being parentified and, you know, sold off. Uh, once you're sold off, um, you become a sex slave or a working model, as Pest likes to call it. Of course. It. You know, and you're popping out babies every year or two. Right. I mean, that's minus all of that. But, mm-hmm. like, you're used as, like, a tactic for keeping men in line. That's Correct. your job. You're an asset. Yep. This is also when they ask Jill about the abuse. And as soon as they ask, she starts to get visibly upset. And Derek looks at her and says, only what you're comfortable with. And this is when we really see... Like, what a supportive partner Derek has been for Jill. Mm-hmm. And this is where I give my disclaimer. Because <laughs> this is the point where people... I just know how often in this sphere, if you say anything positive about any of them, some people take this as fawning over yeah. that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that you're somehow dismissing... Any of the problematic things that they've said, done, or believe. Right. You you obviously support them because you said something not negative yeah. about them. Yeah. But I feel like here, at least, we're here to discuss the complexities in all of this. Mm-hmm. 
and how two things can be true at the same time. And how you can support one area of growth and still think that people have a long way to fucking go on another, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Derek can absolutely be transphobic, among other things, but also be a supportive partner to Jill. Correct. And speaking on one of those things in the moment doesn't negate from the other thing. 100%. So I'm talking as right now as Derek being a supportive partner to Jill. Mm-hmm. Other things aside, for the time being. Yeah. I also know that there's a lot of people who think, like, like why the fuck was he included? <laughs> but I, I think he plays a big role in why Jill has been able to speak up at all. Mm-hmm. Without a close person completely in your corner, like, it's overwhelming. It would be so overwhelming to go up against this Mm -hmm. especially considering what she came from and is fighting against and in jill's own words from this actual series at one point she says quote having a voice about what you think and how you feel and being able to voice and say no about things was stifled and not encouraged in the ivlp setting in my family and then like on those same lines of Derek, he also, he went toe to toe with Jim Bob Mm -hmm. and he has stake in this. So I get why he was included. Right. It it actually makes a whole hell of a lot more sense than Dylan King being (laughs) included. Um, It's like, what did Dylan have to do with fucking anything? Nothing at all. And I mean, and to his credit, he did just say, I'm just as supportive as him. So I'm not saying that he claimed to be anything more than that. But like, he had nothing to do with any of it. Yeah. And um, he did offer us one funny moment, though. In reference to Michelle's meek and soft voice, he said, ugh, drives me nuts. So that was kind of like his one like funny moment. Right. But unlike Jill... I don't think Famey, like, really needs support to be able to speak up. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so she seems to manage that on her own just fine. <laughs> so I think that the inclusion of him was, like, I, I don't think that, like, she needed to be, like, sitting next to him and holding his hand to get through this the way Correct. Jill yeah. might need it. Going back to that, I feel like Jill, I think without the abuse, this would still be a really difficult thing to do for her Mm -hmm. and then you add that whole other layer that colors all of it you know like incredible the amount of kind of like steadfastness that you need and support that you would need to actually do this coming out of the situation yep so we're going back to that moment where derek told jill only what you're comfortable with i think it was a good reminder in the moment it was his way of reminding her that she does have the power to say no. Mm-hmm. Unlike her upbringing where she never had that power. And also in a moment where even if they're not being assholes or forcing the issue, and it seems like the documentary, they seemed very respectful. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like sometimes even in that situation, just because of the setting you're in, it can be easy to feel pressure to just go with it. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it also seemed a way for Derek to let them know, meaning production, Mm -hmm. 
that there's a line and that this line is drawn by Jill and Jill only. Yeah. So as Jill is upset and processing, Derek kind of chimes in with how she had told him all of this in confidence as a married couple and that they both fully expected it to stay that way. Something Mm -hmm. in confidence. And she's tearing up. And as he speaks, I think in the background, production is asking what she is comfortable with or what is comfortable. Yeah. And Derek just kind of glances at her and she points at him in almost like a giving him the... And then why am I fucking getting emotional already? But she kind of like points at him in like a green light to like, you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think it's great because I appreciate that he continually like referred to her. Yeah. What are you, are you okay with this? Yeah. Like it's for her to decide. Like, it's like, what about what she was comfortable with being said and not said? Right. And she seemed to be clearly comfortable in letting him do some of the talking on her behalf. Mm-hmm. But even when he was kind of speaking maybe on her behalf or whatever, it, it felt like it was coming from a place of respect and true partnership rather than the authoritative Correct. thing that we're used to seeing. So, mm-hmm. And then Jill said, quote, nobody should have ever known about it, so I don't like talking about it. And I feel deeply for Jill in this moment because she has always seemed truly pained by people just even knowing about the abuse. Mm -hmm. And I have zero idea if this brings her any kind of peace or comfort at all. But it being out there did help put Pest away for longer than if it hadn't come out. True. I was going to say correct, but then I keep thinking about people say I say correct a lot. (laughs) But it wasn't an official record, remember? Yeah. It was just like, hey, he got interviewed, but it wasn't on his record. So because of that, the only way of it being known, in turn, ended up being Bob Ye's testimony, which mm-hmm. because of her testimony, they ended up not having to call Jill Yep. because they got what they needed. But her testimony is what put into play the idea of this pattern of behavior mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have known otherwise, yeah. which would have meant, I mean, it would have been, th- the outcome would have been entirely different. Mm-hmm. So it's because of people knowing that he did get put away for 12 years. 80% means minimum a decade. Yeah. But I get everybody is different. Some people feel empowered by people knowing and it, actually aids in their healing Mm -hmm. and then for others it's the complete opposite and it can inhibit their healing the shame yeah Mm -hmm. so my heart breaks for her because it's clearly been very hard for her for the public to know Mm -hmm. that like and it's just me doing that like oh like if i can just try to send you one positive understanding the pain you're in Mm -hmm. i i hope that she gets some sort of like but it helped put him away a little bit longer. Yeah. Not saying I wanted her to go through what she went through. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you're trying to like just be like, here's one positive thing on a pile of shit. Yeah. But I don't know that that provides her comfort. I have no fucking clue. And I don't want to force that on her. But it's just a thought that I had that's like, well, if we can try to find one thing. What's well, difficult, too, because she's unpacking her entirety of her childhood oh, and her yeah. parents. Not just her brother and the awful shit he did Mm -hmm. 
So moving into episode two, it covers a lot more of things we've discussed already in deep dives. When they touch on the actual ATI education and... <laughs> There's hard quotations around that, by the way. Yeah. Education. Yeah. Um, at one point, Chad says, quote, I have a friend of mine who was an ATI and she never learned math outside of fractions because her dad said, well, you use fractions in baking and that's good enough. Mm. We discussed the lack of math in depth in um <laughs> in the deep dive, I mean. Yeah. And how some families some supplemented and others didn't. Well, here's a prime example of the latter. <laughs> you know, women just need to learn to count so they can count how many days it's been since their last period. Because, you know, they're all about <laughs> making babies. Yeah. And then they just need to learn some basic fractions so they can, you know, bake up some whole wheat bread. Yeah. What else you would need. you need it for? That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Count. Count periods. <laughs> bake bread. It's fine. <laughs> So, Brooke, who made me laugh several times throughout the series, talked about all the higher education she got and said, quote, I was like, ah, watch me. Watch how much education I can get. <laughs> and she says that in like a funny voice and she's kind of like shaking her fist. Mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. It was great. <laughs> Another focus of episode two was the physical abuse within IBLP. Now, I'm not going to go super in depth because it's an upcoming deep dive. Possibly more than one. We'll see how it goes. But I, I feel like we need to address a horrible scene. <laughs> Probably the thing that was most shocking to me in the entire series. It's that creepiest fuck demonstration on how to spank and bless a boy at the same time. Oh, man. This was a bad one. Oh. So we see a child being voluntold because it's not like he was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's voluntold to come up on stage for a demonstration. Um, and it's fucking sick. It's sick. The whole thing. But getting a kid up there and putting him over your knee in front of a crowd of people is disgusting. <laughs> the thing that sent me completely over the edge was the audience laughing the entire time did yeah. you notice that yeah like abuse is funny and humiliating a child in front of a crowd of people is just it's so hilarious yeah. it's funny it's sick and then the whole quote i don't think you put yourself into that hug son so let's spank a little more yeah, after he does that, then he was like, all right, give me a hug. And the kid, once again, doesn't know this person. This isn't like, literally is not, has no relation to this person at all. And then he's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't hug me hard enough. Let's spank you again. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> oh, gross. And then again, as this is happening and he's saying like, oh, let's spank you again. The audience erupts in laughter mm -hmm. yet again. Yep. Distur it's disturbing. But we will get into more of that as a whole soon. I just couldn't not mention that scene. That was the thing that stuck out to me so much. I'm like, well, yeah, we kind of have to, you know. It's also in this episode that they get into everything post news breaking of the abuse. And Jill says how she and Jessa felt the weight of responsibility to make things right. Mm -hmm. Which tracks because 
as we've learned via 46, you know, episodes in. Yeah. Women of IBLP are responsible for everything and then yet nothing all at the same time. Mm -hmm. They don't get any kind of control or say, yet get blamed for absolutely everything in the same breath. Yeah. They're always forced to be the fixer, whether it be forced to marry the problem or, (laughs) you know, or or just like smooth things over. It's Mm -hmm. up to the woman to make things right. Right. Which leads us into Jess and Jill on the Megan Kelly show. Oof. Which, Tim, you know the very basics just from past episodes, knowing that this yeah. happened and that mm-hmm. things were made public. But you have zero detail or context mm-hmm. of the aftermath yep. of, or anything like that. So what did you think of the little small clips you saw of that Megan Kelly interview? It was... Almost worse than the guy spanking the kid and everybody laughing. It was more like heartbreaking than anything else. Yeah. Because you saw two very different viewpoints dealing with trauma, specifically sexual trauma. And you could tell that there was just so many layers of whether it was overtly said or not. There was so many layers of you need to make this right. Yeah. Or or you need to save the fact that our our the way that we earn a living is being affected. Mm-hmm. And it was sad that they had to sacrifice their own healing and their own dealing with this trauma to save the family business, essentially. It was heartbreaking watching them and the shit they they were parroting out you know what i mean and i think what's interesting when i watched it in real time at the moment i didn't buy it then but i bought it as them being delusional Mm -hmm. themselves i'm like man they're really in it and then to find out like what we hear later on where it was just like oh no it was just feeling that responsibility it wasn't even worse yeah like it hit it's 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 still even different from what i originally thought you know it was awful and then Derek said, quote, the whole Megyn Kelly thing, I would not call it voluntary. Basically being called to carry out a suicide mission. You're going to destroy yourself, but we need you to take the fall so that you can carry the show forward. Mm-hmm. Because the show cannot fail. And they were going to do what they could to get the return on their investment. If that meant coll- collateral damage, that meant collateral damage. Mm-hmm. And then Jill followed up with, Quote, it didn't save everything. It wasn't enough. And I know that that's such a small line. But when I was doing... So, by the way, I had I watched this twice. I watched it with Tim because I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it an entire second time because I didn't want to make him sit through me pausing and taking <laughs> notes and stuff. So, I watched it two th- times entirely through. On the second rewatch, I feel like to other people that might be a really small line. But that line fucking broke me. Mm-hmm. Because it was, was it because all of that self damage that you did and it wasn't even worth it? Yes. It was that retrospect of her being like, I did exactly what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And for what? Yeah. Just to completely detriment to herself. Mm -hmm. And so just like the, I didn't, it didn't save everything. It wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. It was all on you. Yeah. And it wasn't enough. 
and it just fucked you over more. Mm-hmm. So it's like that wasn't even a moment that she was super teary, but like for some reason it hit me like hard. Yeah. And then she goes on to say that she didn't want to do it, but she thought that if she didn't, she was, wasn't was obeying her parents. Mm-hmm. Bad things would happen to her as a result, which I think really illustrates just how very real the fear is when you're mm-hmm. in this type of situation. Yeah. There's such a gravity placed on every little thing, mm-hmm. every tiny minutia. Any little tiny thing that can be considered a step out from side of mm-hmm. uh, outside of the umbrella of authority, fucking destruction. Yep. So it's like, yeah, I had to do this because what the worst things could happen to me mm-hmm. besides, you know, this gigantic emotional damage. Yeah. But worse could happen. Maybe I die. You know, it's like you just think of all of the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. One final thing to point out. It was also in this episode that Jill says very pointedly, quote, IBLP and the teachings draw on people like my dad who want this control, Mm -hmm. which I give her mad props for specifically saying my dad. Yeah. When she could have skirted it just a little bit and left it at people. Mm -hmm. It could have been drawn people who want this control. But she said my dad. Mm -hmm. She went there. Yep. So it's like, get him, girl. Insane. And it sucks. We talked about this in the dentist episode that she seemed more than any of the older girls the most that was kind of like, kind of like a daddy's girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, for lack of a reference. Yes. Definitely. And I remember when you brought up, you were like, it's sad where that relationship went because she seemed like she was the closest. She was with- all in. Yeah. And so you're like, I'm starting to fill in pieces with it. And when we get to the point where they talk about contracts and money and kind of those, that part of this relationship breakdown, um, it's, it's even worse because you're like, you're doing this to the person that like had your back the most out of any of these children. The one that had your back the most that was a female, which doesn't get a whole lot out of this ag- arrangement. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where, like, I truly believe that the people who were the most deep in it, they're those those are the ones that suffer the most. Like, I said that, oh, I was kind of lucky and just, like, in my situation with church where I didn't have this deep. Mine was more about the way I was being treated by people, but right. I didn't have this, like, big, deep thing to like deconstruct from for mm-hmm. lack of a so it's like i felt like i had it easier than some other people putting it into this context i feel like oh if she wasn't as like she didn't look to her dad the way that she did maybe it wouldn't be as painful no this is like seriously painful for her mm-hmm. because she was all in yep. you know <sighs> so as we move into episode three there's a major focus on the show shifting to counting on And because of things both Jill and Derek have said in the past, we know the gist of things and how it went down. But Mm -hmm. in the docuseries, we get a lot more detail about how the contracts with TLC were never updated and continue to list them all as minors. And that she went seven years as an adult of her life, not being paid a single cent. Mm -hmm. 
We learn how Jim Bob basically tricked her and the others into signing a five-year contract the day before her wedding, which will make watching her wedding episode and rehearsal dinner down the road Mm -hmm. all that more interesting to watch, knowing he was scheming behind the background like the piece of shit that he is. Mm -hmm. So just imagine how much time and effort filming takes and not being compensated for it ever mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like yeah they you know you can say oh well they just follow your life but no that's not the point there's making yourself available there's coordinating there's call times and schedules there's being in your fucking house taking mm-hmm. up your spit you know all for nothing yep or i'm sorry i'm sorry it's not nothing <laughs> it's for ministry <laughs> Shame on me. Yeah. It's not for nothing. It yeah. was for ministry. How dare you minimize ministry? The ministry. And how once Jill and Derek started to shine light on all of this bullshit, his idea of decent pay was, you know, like $10 an hour. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. Man. So the part where Jill says that Lego was basically like, thanks to Derek, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and pay people a lump sum. Like, it's just so Jim Bob. He's doing them a favor. Yeah. Manipulative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me be like, oh, well, thanks to Derek. And let me. Oh, and I'm now I'm doing you a big favor because I'm Mm -hmm. finally going to pay you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Derek, for pointing it out. (laughs) And of course, that came with strings attached signing a forever agreement with his production company, which, good for them, Jill and Derek refused. Yep. Um, side note, his company being called Mad Family Inc. was not something I ever would have guessed. <laughs> I know, exactly. It I felt was like, weird. Mad Family? <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> I thought there would be something Jesus-y in there. I know. Something. Yeah, I'm very thrown off by Mad Family. <laughs> Then those anonymous texts start rolling into Derek, saying creepy shit like, JB has done you no evil, and you have done him great evil. And he picks you to marry his beautiful, untouched virgin. Ugh. Why did you have to put that in there? Why is that in there? <laughs> he trusted you. Which, again, is fucking sick and... Proves exactly what women are to them in this mm-hmm. cult. Just an, you know, an untouched virginal prize being passed from father to husband. You know, no big deal. Oh, Fucking man. sickening. Can you imagine, like, like my dad being like, "Here's your virginal prize." Oh, I mean, I wasn't, but like, can you imagine? It's so gross. Awful. Your virginal prize. Your untouched virgin. <laughs> gross. Oh man. And finally, in this, these texts, it says, the mistreatment of parents is forbidden with death penalties ascribed. I have, I have imagination that like Jim Bob bought a burner phone and texted him from a burner phone. <laughs> he bought it at, at a local retailer <laughs> yeah. at Knoxville Rail Salvage. He, but I, he, he, uh, he hassled them down. Down to half price for a burner $8. phone. Eight dollars. Yep. I I liked how they. I, I, this is where I again give Derek a little bit of credit. Where 
that they were like, so Jim Bob sent that to you? And he was like, I can't speculate. Like, he was like, I can't say. And then Jill was like, I don't think it was him. But um, Derek didn't play. He was just like, I can't speculate. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, who would it be? Maybe that's a poll up, like, a question (laughs) box. Who sent the fucking text messages? (laughs) See what the people say. Um, And it's at this point that Derek... he's saying something that i don't quite remember exactly not like really worth at the point but i just love it because jill she cuts him off and she talks over him and she starts saying honor and respect and obey were all on the same level back then and she she cuts him off and he Mm -hmm. just kind of stops and looks at her and listens and it's such a small moment for the general public that you wouldn't really think twice about Mm mm-hmm but it was a real, for me, it was like a go Jill <laughs> yeah. moment. Because that's so not the allowed demeanor of a proper IBLP wife. Mm-hmm. Your job is to gaze adoringly and fawn over their every word. Mm-hmm. So cutting him off and then talking over him would be a big no. <laughs> yeah. So these tiny things... That mean nothing to anybody else. Probably people who are watching this are like, yeah, whatever. They wouldn't even think twice. Yeah. But for us, we're like, this. it means a lot more when you take into consideration the how to be a godly wife context in which they were raised in. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, fucking interrupt your husband. Go for it. (laughs) What do you think about that, honey? (laughs) I was going to say, you're not a good IBLP wife. Are you saying I interrupt you all the time? No. But I was I should have interrupted. <laughs> I know. Damn Each, it. I was I missed, <laughs> fuck I missed up. Uh, Wanna try again? No. <laughs> what do you think, honey? You're not a no, good no, 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 no. <laughs> I couldn't even think of words. I just I know, it. you just rebelled. <laughs> rabble, 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 rabble. It worked, right? It it did. Sick. I hate to say you're not gonna win IBLP wife of the year, honey. Damn it. Yeah. So, moving into episode four. Why couldn't I think of words in that moment? I'm so disappointed (laughs) that I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Is that the name of this episode? (laughs) (laughs) So, moving into episode four. Although it was the shortest, it ended up being my favorite. Due to it being the one that presented the most new information to me. Mm -hmm. So, the first of the new information was the whole Joshua generation thing. I had no idea that there was such a name for a movement. <laughs> and it's the worst name, let's be real. <laughs> you know, I feel really bad for the Joshes of the world. Exactly. I know two Joshes and they're great. <laughs> I know I know a lot of Joshes and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. It's like Karen's. Like when you meet a great Karen, you're like, oh man, I'm sorry. So the Karen's, the Joshes that are wonderful, I'm giving you a chest beat right now in solidarity. Can you hear it? I'm, I'm beating my chest. Uh, yep, there it is. Um, that's solidarity because I understand that there are some good Karens and there are some good Joshes, and we stand with you. <laughs> I my my fist. Are is you in a here. Josh Karen ally? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this whole Joshua generation thing, no idea. I didn't know there was this name of this mm. movement, and. Finding out that Madison Cawthorn was a part of it was really interesting for me. <laughs> is not surprising not, in the least. Not surprising, but interesting. Yeah. I just had no idea. And really, I'm not going to get 
into it even a little bit right now mm-hmm. because I think it deserves a feel uh like a full deep dive. Agree. So my deep dive list is up to 121, <laughs> which by the way, I want you guys to know I I delete as I do them. Yeah. So when you hear the number going up, it's really going up when you take into consideration the deletions What's as well. What's off the list, yeah. So um all the other stuff in this docu series I either had full knowledge of mm-hmm. or a lot of background context but this is something that was totally new for me Mm -hmm. so i don't want to even do it in in injustice by yeah we'll just talk about this at a later date Mm -hmm. another huge focus of this episode was josh's trial which i feel comfortable skipping over for today (laughs) feel like we've talked about that Mm mm-hmm Instead, I want to talk about how episode four was chock full of the most beautiful words from IBLP survivors. And yes, I I say survivors because to me, if you made it out of a cult, you qualify as a survivor. Not just an ex this, not just a whatever. You're a survivor. This was the only episode that made me tear up. Oh, yeah. I was Multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get, oh, just wait for it. I'm going to get all kinds of choked up. So while we heard from them over the course of the entire series, as it sort of is being wrapped up and winding down, we get to hear a mix of really poignant and touching things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be reading quote after quote, but they all struck me in a way that I think makes them really worth highlighting. So Jill said, quote, unfortunately, a lot of times you have to, am I already getting started? Good. Unfortunately, a lot of times you have to go through hell because it's not until then that you would risk everything to get out of those situations. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you start making your own decisions, like the nose ring that I got, which I think is so funny. <laughs> it was so like Jill being like, I chose this for myself. It's just funny because looking back when she started wearing shorts and she started doing this and have a nose ring, people were like, what does it mean? And so it is funny for her to actually reference nose ring. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, because like the pants thing isn't so much a thing anymore because even people still under Jim Bob, like Jana, have started wearing pants. Mm-hmm. That feels more like the movement is just kind of being like, all right. Becoming a little modern. Yes. Okay. But I feel like he still wouldn't be okay with a nose ring. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but... But anyways, just taking it back to when people were just like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. It is funny to be able to pinpoint, oh, that's when Jill was starting to be like, I'm doing shit for myself. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, like the nose ring that I got. And then, and it's piece by piece, little by little to do what you need to survive. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Jill is absolutely right. I sometimes feel like it gets lost in the mix kind of like in snark sphere Mm -hmm. of just how hard it really is to leave yeah and how much you really are risking you can be risking your family your friends financial security a Mm -hmm. fucking roof over your head yeah so much and then you pair that with being sort of naive to the world Mm -hmm. due to isolation and a poor education yeah which makes it all even scarier that's why you're stuck there yes and all of which is done very purposely to keep people in it and it works Mm -hmm. 
they're all calculated tactics and deterrence that largely works to keep people from leaving. Mm-hmm. Because then you can say, oh, look, they left the umbrella and look at them struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the fact that you set them up for failure. It's about the fact that, well, look, they left. And yeah, look at well, all, that's you know. what happens. Cautionary yeah. tale mm-hmm. yet again. Yep. Look what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many who might even question some things here and there never leave. Yeah. It's just too overwhelming to even imagine. Mm-hmm. So you stuff it down and you move on with life. The woman um, that talked about how she thought her husband was going to kill her is like a perfect poster child for this. I, um, oh, I think that's that's my next part. You led yeah. into it perfectly. Yeah. Um, so just on that note though, to gather the strength and the balls that it takes to decide to take on all those risks, Mm -hmm. it, Jill is right. It usually would take something huge that pushes that step. Mm -hmm. So she was like, yeah, you have to go through hell to get there. I don't think you, it's not typical, not saying it's never going to happen, but it's not typical that you just are like. Maybe. The same for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> it usually takes something horrific, which is fucking awful and unfortunate. Yeah. So Tia, as you were mm-hmm. just saying, said, quote, I escaped by the skin of my teeth, so I'm never going to say it's easy. Yep. And she's a perfect example of what Jill said, mm-hmm. because Tia's husband was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say that she went through hell, like Jill was saying, mm-hmm. before risking absolutely everything in her life yep. with children. So then Tia made me cry yet again when she said, quote, when you leave, you're actually out there flailing. And she was choking up while she was saying this mm-hmm. or got me even more than it was like the words and then watching her yeah, um, flailing like a new little fish. There are people that catch you. The universe catches you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they tell you. Like, in order to keep you in this group, they tell you that we're the only people that can do that for you. I just hope that all of these victims and survivors um, feel all of this from the snark community. Mm-hmm. Because that's why I lean so heavily on the like snarking for, snarking a, cause. for a cause. Because underneath the snark and the jokes is a hell of a lot of people who actually really fucking care. Mm-hmm. And they want to see people live like happy lives and find healing. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so important that even when people are deconstructing in a way that we don't agree with all of where they're at right there, Mm -hmm. we still are like, we're still here because it's not overnight. It doesn't all happen. Yeah. And yes, there's a chance that some things will stick and they're never going to be exactly what we wish, you know, or whatever. But to me, it's part of the... It's almost like a sense of positive reinforcement. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're not fully there, how can we expect you to even maybe even entertain getting to this other side if we're not here to show that there are people on the other side 
here to support you. Mm-hmm. Ugh. She really got me. That one <laughs> was rough. The, yeah. So now I'm going to pivot into quotes about deconstruction. And while it's entirely possible to fully deconstruct and then leave, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think more often than not, it's small feelings and questions and inklings here and there. Mm -hmm. And then that big event or push, kind of like Jill was talking about, that makes you leave. Yeah. And then after is when you're able to more thoroughly deconstruct. Because, I mean, obviously every situation is different and I understand that. But I do think it's harder to fully deconstruct while still in it. So I think that makes it more rare. Yeah. Because you still have to play your part. Exactly. And it's not until you're out of it that you can actually access support and tools to fully, you know, deconstruct. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have access or couldn't before, like therapy, for example, which is why I love that Jill mentioned therapy, you know. Any hoozle. So Chad said something that I feel speaks to those sort of early inklings, saying, quote, that little voice in the back of your head that's, that says this is wrong. That's right. Don't lose that. Mm-hmm. Then Heather said, quote, Deconstructing is an exhausting process. All of the stuff you believed just got turned upside down, and now your thinking is all new now. It just made me think about how deconstructing is exhausting anyway, just like she said. But then when you think of it in the context of all the other things that are likely happening in their lives at the exact same time, while they're trying to do this too, Mm -hmm. like... They might be newly cut off from their family. They might be newly married or newly divorced. Right. They have kids to take care of that now they're... Like Tia, she left with her kids. All of a sudden, she's in a completely new place trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what the fuck she's doing with kids, rebuild her life, and you're supposed to deconstruct all at the same time? Yeah. So I think this were, you know, using their own verbiage, we have to give grace (laughs) a little bit to people who are in the throes of deconstructing that like every single topic of every single thing isn't going to fucking happen overnight. Yeah. And again, they may not fully get to where we might wish, but if they got out of this harmful situation, it's a step and Mm -hmm. a step that I feel like we need to support. Yeah. Because if we don't support those first steps, there's no way they're going to make it to the other side. Yeah. And the chances of other people doing it are so much less. Exactly. Because the more that do it, the more people will see that it's possible. Mm -hmm. So we just have to be supportive as a whole if we want to see that happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Then Brooke said, quote, speaking up is the last step in kind of deconstructing the Gothard ideology, which I think kind of speaks to the whole when you're confident and you kind of find your power. Mm -hmm. You're like, nope, yep, now I'm actually going to. Yeah. Speak against this thing. And mm-hmm. not that everybody has to do that, but I feel how I can see how that can feel like such a powerful moment mm-hmm. for the person. Yeah. Finally, I'm going to round out this section of their quotes with a final quote from Chad saying, quote, We had hit this power the entire time over the people who are hurting us. It turns out, as much as they tried to control us, we were ultimately what they most feared. 
and all we had to do was talk. Yep. And I thought that was like a a beautiful way to kind of close that out. Mm-hmm. I love true. the I love the couple that both came from that and met later mm-hmm. and got married. That was a good story because they even talked about it. Like, well, they they married in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like they talked about like separating for a while, like with a kid, and you know, it's this. I I think from in inside groups like this, they pretty much tell you inside this group everything is perfect, and outside everything is awful. Yeah. And I think being able to take that and get to a place where you're like, you know what? We went through this awful chunk of time. It happens. Like it's not, not because we're outside of this group. It just happens, you know, mm-hmm. and they did the work to, and they came back together. Yeah. To make yep. things better and work on it. And, you know, so, and it's hard because like in any situation, it's hard in a relationship if other if when you're on two different paths so if one had mm-hmm. been getting out and like the other wasn't well you know yeah and so i'm just glad that they were able to have their time that they went away but then mm-hmm. they both got back on the same path and came back together you yeah. know and could support each other because they both had been in that too so mm-hmm. instead of just having to start all over it's like oh no we can navigate this together right so before we leave the actual discussing of the documentary, I because we just, you know, had some tears and stuff, I wanted to leave with a few laughs to break it up. Random funny things that were said that didn't totally fit into mm-hmm. the topics we discussed. So, Brooke referring to Bill Gothard said, quote, <laughs> He does have an odd physical appearance. You know, he's got a Lego shaped head and his ill fitting men's warehouse suit. (laughs) (laughs) And he really does. That Lego head is real. We fucking howled because it's just funny anyway that the inclusion of the word Lego, (laughs) it was just too perfect for us. And um, Bill Gothard and Lego really do have a lot in common. (laughs) So it's just funny. So many people message us and be like, Did you hear her say Lego head? And I was like, Yes. It's so funny. Then another funny haha was the inclusion of Ellie Bates giving the side eye that we just saw two episodes ago in recaps. (laughs) Yeah. So not only funny, but very timely. Mm -hmm. Then Heather saying, quote, so they took my devil sticks, (laughs) referring to them taking away her tampons because clearly she was using them as pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, you know, mm-hmm. taking away her husband, her future husband's opportunity to break her hymen. Of course. I know yeah. you were super disappointed when we got, you know. Um, were? That you were uh, just like. Still am. <laughs> Where's your, I did not feel your hymen break. I'm still unpacking that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you poor thing. <laughs> Lastly, this may not be that funny to other people, so I, I'm already cracking up. I don't know. I, I, I kind of think maybe other people are like, all right. <laughs> But Tim and I, we thought it was so fa- <laughs> so funny. We rewound it and watched it again and again. And it's when Joe was talking about finding out how Lego was running for Arkansas State Senate mm-hmm. amid pest trial, which is fucking ballsy. Um, and she got an alert on her phone, so that's how she found out. <laughs> and then she she so she said she got the alert, and then she goes, 
what the what? What the what? <laughs> yep. And I don't know if anybody else finds it that funny, but we thought it was hilarious. It was just a, it was such a vision back into like young dweeby Jill. And it, it made so me cute. happy that like. It was like, so cute and funny. Yeah. It made me happy that like that, that dweeby little like preteen was still in there. What the what? What the what? I mean, because like, you know, and it's like I said, you're just using different Substitutions. words for, con- for, con- for um, emphasis. Mm-hmm. It's the same as what the fuck, but it was what the what? <laughs> Someone messaged and was like, I'm so proud of Jill. I don't she think I don't think she's that little dweeb anymore. And I'm like, she may have grown out of like 80 to 90 percent of her dweebiness. Mm-hmm. Like, but I still think it's in there. And when I say I still think it's in there, I don't mean that as an insult. I want that to be very no, clear. not at all. Being a dweeb is not bad. No. I'm on the spectrum of dweebiness. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing. Yeah. So when I call her dweeb, it is said in. It is endearing. Yes. It's yeah. not a bad thing. So I love the what the what. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so was that the last thing? Okay, so now we're gonna talk about reactions to the series. On the Duggar side, uh, it's pretty much crickets. <laughs> the only thing that we got was a vague post from Jamesy Bug <laughs> in his Instagram story that read, "Quote: It's okay to lose your pride over someone you love." Don't lose someone you love over your pride. The vague posting left me and many others trying to figure out how to interpret it at first. My initial reaction, just like that knee jerk, you know, in the moment of just initially reading it, I was like, oh, man, he's talking shit about Jill. Like I got like Mm -hmm. I started to feel myself be like, he's talking about Jill. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. No. I don't think so. I think this is geared towards Jim Bob. Okay. Especially when you take into consideration that Jill was his big buddy. So okay. she had this buddy team. So she was his mom. She was his mother. And even through all of the family separation and drama, James was the single family member to attend Derek's law school graduation. Interesting. So when you kind of put that all together... I definitely think it's directed at Jim Bob. Wow. But he couldn't be direct, so he had to resort to vague posting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The plot thickens because the next day, James deleted all of his videos on his YouTube channel. Huh. So whether that came from him or Jim Bob for Mm -hmm. saying what he said, you know, there's all sorts of ways you could play this right now, right? Wow. It's just interesting. And just a little tidbit for you, Tim, because I find it absolutely hilarious. His James's YouTube channel was originally called Duggar Gone Wild <laughs> before he uh, reacted to the backlash and he changed it to James Duggar Blog. <laughs> Duggar Gone Wild. I hope he flashed a few people. Right. Maybe had a wet t-shirt situation. Um, The polo shirt was untucked. (laughs) Yeah. Think about it. Oh, yep. Wild. Another piece of information that is... (laughs) I'm like cracking myself up already. (laughs) It's not important at all. Okay. 
but it just gave me a really good chuckle. Um, it's this line from an online. <laughs> it's a line from an online article, and it says, "Quote." James is one of the latest Duggar children who broke away from the conservative views of the family. He he has been hopping to pubs, enjoying chicken and hamburgers, (laughs) and he's also been spotted at bars. (laughs) If anyone is unsure of where James stands, it's definitely the chicken and hamburgers that... That's so, that's such a weird, I was like, where is she going with this? You didn't think that was funny? Because, you know, you know, in that, in IBLP, you know, they're staunchly anti-hamburger and chicken. It's just like, oh yeah, he's definitely one of those rebellious (laughs) kids. He's been seen eating chicken and hamburgers. I imagine like the banging on the door in the middle of the night. What are you doing in there? Do you have a rotisserie? Do you have a rotisserie? And he's like under his under his covers eating a rotisserie chicken. I imagine just a foil wrapped chicken sandwich <laughs> with a really crappy <laughs> patty like you get from the school snack bar. Oh, I man. mean, I mean, if you were unsure, he's eating chicken and hamburgers. Oh my god, what a rebel! <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Oh my god, maybe I've had too much tequila, and that's why I'm laughing so much. Any hoozle. okay i can do this as far as the public reaction goes there are many like us who applaud the docuseries but then on the flip side there's a huge chunk of people that are railing against it yet again just like in her book announcement the comment section of jill's post along with other outlets reporting on the docuseries are uh, absolutely vile So many Jim Bob sympathizers. It's fucking crazy. But what I really want to focus on in this is this chunk of people who viewed the docuseries as an attack on homeschooling and Christianity as a whole. <laughs> Which is just crazy to me because I did not get that vibe at all. Not even a Mm-mm. little tiny bit. Mm-mm. And not even from a well, you're not religious standpoint. So right. no, no, seriously, yeah. not at all. Mm-hmm. So just like I did with the book comments, I'm going to read you one single comment that sort of sums up a lot of them in one. So some piece of shit woman, her name is Brandy. Um, <laughs> she says, "quote It's an anti-homeschooling documentary. It's an anti-Christian fundamentalist documentary." I hate that Jill and her husband allowed themselves to be swarming with the swamp creatures. (laughs) This does not excuse confirmed abuse in any fashion. However, the thinking mind must answer an important question. What's the motive? Setting the record on abuse straight? Doubtful. Gaining attention and money? Likely. In the end, a nefariously orchestrated Amazon documentary with disgruntled family members, the rebel cousin, (laughs) jealous family members, and the freakish ex-members of the cult. Cult is in quotes. If it's in quotes, you don't believe it's a cult, by the way. (laughs) Hardly makes anything conclusive. Sure, there's lots to unpack in this once-beloved and respected family, But what is the truth? Likely somewhere in the middle. 
So I'm going to just say, fuck this stupid bitch. <laughs> My blood pressure shoots yeah. up just fucking reading this. Mm-hmm. I hate this twat. Yep. <laughs> Add her to the list. Oh, Pest, man. David Waller, this dumb twat. <laughs> so her her use of the phrase confirmed abuse. So what's confirmation to you, bitch? Right. Probably the type of person. Like, she's probably the type that if she doesn't see it for herself, it didn't happen. Even then, she'd probably still have doubts. Right. Gives me that vibe. Then saying how it's doubtful that it's to set the record straight, but for financial gain. Fuck off. <laughs> Jill is allowed to tell her story any and whatever fucking which way she decides to. Mm-hmm. And if she makes some money, good for her. Mm-hmm. Because Jim Bob made money off of all of their backs for years on end. Mm-hmm. So if she's able to get some of that back in some kind of way, I don't know, by talking about her fucking abuse. Right. Fuck off. Confirmed abuse. Yeah. Confirmed. Oh, what do you... So do we need to prove to Brandy that it's confirmed? <laughs> there it is. There it oh, is. let's make sure that, you know, she's not sure. We need to make sure it's confirmed. What does it take, Brandy, to make sure that it this abuse, you know, really happened? Mm-hmm. And on the homeschool thing, never once did they say that homeschooling was bad. Never. They were using they were saying that IBLP uses this program in order to push only their values exactly. and nothing else. Insanity. So even then, it was never like homeschooling is bad. Never. That's that's like saying Jaws as a movie is an anti-sea creature film. <laughs> like it is propaganda to get you anti-sea creature. Fuck those fish. <laughs> oh, my God. So then her also saying how it's... um. Her ending by saying, you know, the jealous cousin, the freakish ex-cult members, and all that bullshit that she spewed, and that it's hardly conclusive. It's just disgusting. Yep. And it's comments like this that make me even more proud of Jill mm-hmm. for for speaking up. Reading just a handful of any of those, to me, would be enough to make anyone start to rethink if any, if this is all fucking worth it, mm-hmm. is if it's not bad enough that you went through all of it, now people shame you for going through it, mm-hmm. sympathize with your abuser, and then sympathize with the system in which that abuser came from. Mm-hmm. It's f- sickening. Yeah. Like we, are, you know, you always talk about how Arthur would be like. Don't people worried about being on the right side of history? And it's like, no, some people really don't. This is that. Where it's like, no, you don't even care. Mm -hmm. You're putting so much energy into defending a system and a person and a family that is so riddled with abuse. I cannot wrap my mind around taking the energy to try to protect that and Mm -hmm. advocate for it. It's gross. The worst part is I'm willing to bet that this person doesn't homeschool their kids and they're probably not part of IBLP. They're not. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I would look them up. Oh, oh, I looked up everything. Like, it's so not anything that has anything to do with you. But let's make sure we get... But, but we let's need make, to make sure, sure we get Brandy's opinion. Yeah, make on sure the she docket. believes it. If Brandy believes it, okay. 
All right. I've said this before, and 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 we've referenced it a, a couple times, I think. But like the the best part about the internet is that everybody has a voice, and the worst part about the internet is that everybody has a voice. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you want to lose faith in humanity? Read a fucking comment section. Yeah. I have a quote about parents when you get to the end of this. Okay. So now I just want to take it back to the more we just talked about Brandy's bullshit. <laughs> So now, setting Brandy aside, (laughs) I want to take it back to the more general idea of interpreting this docuseries as an anti-Christian and anti-homeschool, like, propaganda. (laughs) I hope that people stretched for all that reaching they're doing. (laughs) So countless people in comments, and even in our own messages of listeners who watched it, are like... I'm a Christian and because like people have just been seeing that this is overwhelming in the comments. Mm -hmm. So even we, so whether it's an answer in these comments or messages to us, they're just like, I'm a Christian and I didn't take it that way at all. Yeah. They didn't really even talk about it. It's wild. The closest thing was when they were saying that you would go to these classes and then take them back to your church. Mm -hmm. That was it. To me, I think if you took it that way, you fall into one or more of the following camps. (laughs) So the first camp, you're one of those types who get a, who love it. They get a, they get a little bit of high off of being the persecuted Christian. Mm -hmm. It's that personality type that is addicted to outrage Mm -hmm. and they're actively looking for things to be outraged or persecuted Mm -hmm. by. Yep. It's absolutely a personality type. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. Yep. There are people that that is who they are. Mm-hmm. So that's one camp. Um, another one is a, be that you could lack the ability or maybe the emotional intelligence to separate facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just hear that they are Christian and you know that you are Christian. And so to you, that means that all these things are about you too. Yep. Or they homeschool and you homeschool. So they're saying all homeschool is bad. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's not the case. And to me, that's being willfully ignorant to what is actually being presented. Mm -hmm. So that's camp number two. And, or you share some of the same harmful beliefs and practices as them. Mm Mm-hmm. But just because you're not directly a part of IBLP, seeing people expose and examine these things as harmful pisses you off because you agree with them. Mm-hmm. It's a part of your belief system. And it's like I've said, I know I've said it at least one time before, but I feel like there's people that they want to believe or they want to make others believe and or that iblp is the problem yeah and yes it is a problem that's that's why we're talking about it Mm -hmm. but it's also a fact that some of the same beliefs and practices are present in more mainstream and other religious Mm -hmm. sects and media that aren't exclusive to just iblp Mm -hmm. and some of them not even exclusively christian Mm -hmm. you know hey I but think it, you see it because it's a system of control. It's not a system of belief. Mm-hmm. 
But in their head, since it's, you know, minus prairie dresses, crunchy hair, and the name IBLP, it's totally different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not the same. It's the entire reason that the doc included small clips of, and these are things I know you don't know about, but they included small clips of Girl Defined or included the clips and interviews with Paul and Morgan, who are now throwing a fucking tantrum saying that they're made to look bad, when in actuality, everything is exactly from their videos as is and their own fucking interviews. There wasn't anything edited on. There's nothing taken out of context. It's exactly what you preach, but you're just not... You don't like that it's being lumped with this because you think it looks bad. Maybe that's because you're spreading the same shit. Because your message is bad. It's not that... Yeah. It's, It's that, you know... So you're throwing a tantrum, but it's that the same core beliefs are still there. Mm-hmm. The packaging is just different. Mm-hmm. And it blends in more because you're wearing pants and you have coupon code links on Instagram and you drink from a fucking Stanley cup. <laughs> so to them, it's like, no, well, we're different. It's the fucking same. And that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you don't want to be lumped in with this, but at the core... You're the same. The things are the same. Yeah. The packaging is different. Mm-hmm. I think that's the crux of that last episode. Yeah. Was them talking was the entire about point. how they take... Yep. So, yeah. I think if you interpret it that way as being, you know, all homeschoolers and all Christians, it's because you, you, ha- you fall into one or more of those categories. Mm-hmm. I think it also shows that there's such a lack of empathy where you instantly made it about yourself. Exactly. And not about the fact that... This sexual abuse survivor got out, essentially battled her father for money and legal issues. And all these other people, too. Mm -hmm. All these other people that are speaking. And it's like, you can't see five fucking inches in front of your own face to be able to look at somebody else and be able to empathize and look at what they went through. And even if you were like, you know what? I don't agree how you did it, but I'm happy you're healing. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine for a fucking second watching over three hours of content about literal abuse in every form mm. and then making it about yourself, <laughs> making yourself the victim at the end of it? <laughs> that takes a special kind of special to land there. Yeah. I'm going to watch all of these people who went through all of this and I'm like, poor me, they're persecuting me. <laughs> you are self-absorbed and like you said, can't see five fucking inches away from your face. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and it, it is just kind of interesting because it's something that we've done on a smaller scale. It's something that mm-hmm. we've dealt with too. Emails and messages saying that we obviously just hate Christians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should, just, you know, we should just come out and say it already, Tim. Yeah. That is our big secret, guys. We hate all Christians. Every single fucking one of you. Yep. All of you. We hate mm-hmm. them. Apparently. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Not fucking true. Not the case. It's asinine. <laughs> but for just like the handful of those type of messages that we've gotten. On the flip side, we have literal hundreds of messages 
that we get from Christians, even pastors, pastors' wives, that have all told us that they listen and that they think that this is important stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't agree with every little thing we say or share the exact same experience, they are able to understand and separate the differences and not take it all as a personal attack. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of emotional maturity yeah. that so many people lack. I don't have in to these ag- comment sections, at least. Correct. I don't have to agree with you to respect you. Exactly. And I think I think that's where the disconnect happens, is because I think there's an emphasis on I need to win this argument. Rather, and and I hate the term we're just going to agree to disagree. Like I hate that because it it denotes a lack of real sympathy or respect for the other person. And like that's something I'm big on. Like I don't, I'm I may not agree with you a hundred percent, but there still needs to be a level of respect. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. And then there, there's this part of me that, like, one part of me gets that we're human and we have big feelings. If anybody mm-hmm. here knows about having big feelings, it's me, right? Mm-hmm. I obviously have very big feelings. I understand that as people, we have knee-jerk reactions. But part of being a mature adult mm-hmm. is evaluating those knee-jerk reactions mm-hmm. and actually being like, hey, do I need to look into this more? Before yeah. I start fucking spouting bullshit or, mm-hmm. you know. So I just want to, one example. This is a while back. Good while now. But obviously, I'm ex-Mormon. I've talked about it on here. And I got a message from a current practicing Mormon. Mm-hmm. And they said that I found myself getting defensive with some of the things that you said. Mm-hmm. And then they said, but then I stopped and it was just the whole idea of checking yourself. Mm-hmm. I stopped and I thought about it. And then I realized I had a different experience from you. Mm-hmm. You had your experience. I had my experience. Doesn't make yours wrong. Doesn't mean that mine wasn't true as well. Mm-hmm. But that they're just different. Yeah. And then they were just like, I'm sorry for what happened to you. And I, you know, it was just, and it was, I really appreciated the message mm-hmm. because it was a moment where I was like, I'm not trying to like, when you come to it like that, nobody's trying to hurt each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hurt them by sharing my experience. The way some people are taking such offense and hurt offense mostly mm-hmm. to what Jill is saying. Yeah. When people talk about their stuff, they're not necessarily out there trying to fucking hurt other people. Mm-hmm. D- don't. That's not the goal. Yeah. The goal is to be like, this is what happened and speak, you know, about it. Mm-hmm. And on the on the the other side you know don't try to hurt me just because you had a different experience and yours is like on a positive one Mm -hmm. but it's like we can just have these conversations and accept that they're different yeah and not make it as a personal attack on either side Mm -hmm. i'm not personally attacked that you've decided that this still works for you Mm -hmm. and don't be personally attacked that i decided differently Yeah. yeah but that's what that's what we should all be doing yeah. Taking a moment to reflect on those knee-jerk reactions mm-hmm. and see where we actually land on something after putting real true evaluation right. and thought into the facts and the feelings behind all of it. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like my experience in this is two things. And one of them is I always like to say that I don't gatekeep being tired. Mm -hmm. Because at work, at every job that I've ever worked, I work more hours and harder days than pretty much anyone else in the building. That's just how it is. I spend more time there. I At my last place, I was in the executive committee, and I worked honestly double what almost what every other member of that executive committee worked. And when other people would come up, I noticed that like my the people around me or in my circle would be like, uh, I'd be like, "How you doing this morning?" Oh man, I'm I'm tired. I have you know I did this, but I know you work a lot more than me. And I'd be like, I don't gatekeep that. Like I'm this isn't a competition, and if it is, we all lost because <laughs> right. the prize is being tired. <laughs> like know. so. Like that's that's one of them, and I think the other thing too. Sorry, on a random side note, because um, this came up recently, I he became a manager or a supervisor kind of like relatively young. So for a lot of my career, a lot of the people I've worked with are way older than I am, and there's nothing worse than getting getting made fun of or minimized for when you were born. I didn't pick that. I, I didn't say I want to be born in 1986 and then that happened. So whenever it's like, you know, oh, do you understand that? No, I, no. Oh, you weren't. That was before your time. Yeah. Oh, well, he obviously doesn't understand. Like, I didn't choose that. Like, why is that a thing? You know what I mean? And I just had a lot of people that were older than I was that were. Very minimizing. Yeah, because of the music I I listened to or the toys I had growing up or the the technology level that I had as a as a young adult and you know what I mean just like all these things so I think for me it's very much like my pers my experience has no bearing on your experience yeah we could have gone through the same system and had very different experiences the way I even talk about how growing up in the same family some me and some of my sisters Mm -hmm. two different childhoods (laughs) like oh yeah it's like you don't being in the exact same thing does not inherently equal the exact same experience Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination and i also i don't feel like we have to fully understand every single thing to be understanding agree Mm, that's good because to me understand like and then being understanding, like to me, they're two different things. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like I understand to me, I, I whether this is the actual Webster, you know, <laughs> definition or not. The way I take it as I understand can be taken a little bit more as like, oh, but I've at some point experienced, or you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. then, but being understanding is like, hey, I don't have to have done exactly that or been mm-hmm. in that exact to be like. It's like it's like. Being the, it's like the empathetic, empathetic side yeah. of understanding, you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think I have to be done. <laughs> this is a lot. This episode's a lot. Um, if at any point you're thinking like, "Oh shit, she didn't cover this, and she didn't cover," you know, like all of a bunch of mm-hmm. things I didn't cover, it's because I had to draw the line somewhere, yeah. or we'd be here for days, mm-hmm. and also because you will be hearing a lot of these things in future deep dives and referencing things from this episode as like a small reference because it's not enough for a full, but something that couldn't 
oh, you think like, oh, that line stuck out to me. Well, later on, I'll probably include it yeah. in a more in-depth look into that. I feel like one thing about this documentary is that it created a lot of new snarkers. Oh, yeah. Or even just we like. We see it. <laughs> yeah. Or even just like interested parties that want to do a little more digging. <laughs> digging. Merp. So to all of the new diggers out there, welcome. Welcome. It gives me major anxiety, but still, welcome. Welcome. 40,000 yeah, people staring back at me on my screen gives me the shit cramps, <laughs> but welcome. Well, thanks for joining us on this journey. It's been, I think the documentary was very well done. My little wrap up, I thought it was well done. I thought the footage that you get to see of a lot of their media and a lot of their like, um, you know, things from their conferences and stuff was really, really interesting. Really paints it, yeah. Yeah, I liked the personal touches. Overall, I felt like it was good. I felt the way they did the last episode kind of felt like, hey, if this does well, like we have a lot more content, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It was a very eventful Duggar week. And this was the longest fucking episode ever, and we still didn't even scratch the surface. But like I said, we had covered some stuff, and we will com- cover some stuff. So, yep. had to make a choice. That's true. Well, as always, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. Send us in a message at diggingupthedugers at gmail.com. Enjoy our episode visuals and Mildred-related stuff on Instagram at diggingupthedugerspod. And if you want to send us traditional mail, you can send us something to P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. Thanks for digging in with us this week. I need to go to bed. <laughs>